I'm Dr. Future, your host. I invite you to join me as together we experience a future quake. quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom Bionic. Yeah, you're trying to out-dramatize me I'm there, aren't you? I'm trying to be dramatic. With no middle name. With no yeah. middle name. Now you're doing a Shatner on me. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it's good to have you back for another week of the Future Quake Show. We're back again, as always, every week. And we have another great guest this week. Mm-hmm. We have Steam, Steve, Steve Armbruster. Uh, who is a representative of a group called Get Out of Our House, uh, acronym G-O-O-O-H, or GO. Uh, and we're going to be learning uh, this week about a creative alternative to the power broker-based political process. Cool. And they have something, a real revelation to reveal to a lot of us who mm-hmm. weren't aware of GO already, of a whole alternative system from square one to start over mm-hmm. and find a way to f- find elected officials that truly represent us and who we are. Yeah. Well, I think that many Americans would agree absolutely that the people that they send, the people that are in Washington D.C. do not generally represent their their views. Mm-hmm. I think that right. I think that's something that just about everybody. Well, would unless agree you're with. like a corrupt person. Yeah. If I you mean, were like a really corrupt banker or criminal, yeah, then you, you might be represented. Worked, yeah. If you worked for Goldman Sachs, and you, you would find right. no truth in that statement. Right. But generally, the man on the street, uh, Main Street, has very little to do with what's going on. In Washington D.C. and it, and uh, mm-hmm. I can't wait to hear what this guy and, has to say. And part of it we'll find is the responsibility of the citizen. The citizen lets this stuff slide, mm-hmm. and it's time that we actively got involved in the process. Mm-hmm. And the people at Go are going to show us a very creative way to do it. So yeah, I'm really excited about this one. With no further ado, here is Steve Armbruster from the organization Go, uh, talking about a creative alternative to the power broker-based political process. And then we'll be right back to wrap it up here at Future Quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom, made of money, bionic. You're made of money. That's a Not new, really. That's a new story for me. There's a story behind that. I'm sure we're going to find out later. Well, we have a new week of Future Quake shows, which means we have a new guest this week. And we have a very fascinating and thought-provoking guest and topic uh, this week. We have uh, a gentleman by the name of Steve Armbruster. Uh, representing a group called Get Out of Our House, uh, also known as GO, acronym GO. And we're going to be talking about a creative alternative to the power broker-based political process. And, Mr. Armbruster, I want to welcome you to the Future Quake Show and thanking you also for taking uh, time, making time for us in your busy promotional schedule that I know you have with your organization. Well, thank you very much, sir. I truly appreciate the opportunity to, to speak with you and with your listeners. And Give it, give your listeners an introduction to go and, and show how we can actually restore our nation back to its, its roots and, and get the control taken away from the politicians, put it back in the hands of the people. Well, that's music wow. to the ears of yeah. us and our listeners here. Keep talking. You're doing uh, good so far. Uh, <laughs> you'd mentioned before that I refer to you as Steve. Is that all right? That is, that's fine. Okay, Steve. Well, um, you know, we, we spend much of our show here lamenting the uh, exploitation of society by the powerful elites in the world and in our country, and we always seek positive grassroots-based solutions to try to neutralize their control over our lives, uh, such as when common people choose to pursue creative alternatives uh, to accomplish that. And based upon our limited knowledge and research to date, 
It appears to us that your organization, which, as I mentioned, is entitled Get Out of Our House or Go, uh, G-O-O-O-H, uh, is such an alternative that we were pleased to discover about. And in fact, uh, uh, one of our listeners actually tipped us off to your organization. Yeah, our, our listeners uh, are going to find out here how your creative alternative for selecting our elected officials uh, while trying to circumvent the influence of the established power brokers may offer some hope for our current uh, depressing political situation that we're now in right now. To begin our discussions, uh, can you explain how your organization now perceives how the current government political candidates are now chosen? Uh, you know, How are they picked to be offered for public consideration within the major political parties? What's the status quo right now on how the system works to give us the options that we have? Well, right now what we're, we're faced with is this giant popularity contest and fundraising um, campaign. Who can raise the most money and who looks the best and sounds the sweetest on TV and radio ads? And whoever it is who can, who can sway enough people to give them enough money to be able to run these ads and whoever can comb their hair the best and, and speak the best is going to be the individual who gets, gets elected. Well, we voted for the most popular person in high school for class president. Mm-hmm. It's time for us to do something a little bit different nowadays. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, the, the stakes weren't quite as high with class president. You know, it was like how you're going to decorate the gym, you know, for the prom <laughs> was where the real stakes. It's a little bit higher stakes than what we deal with now, but you're right. It hasn't changed so much in the popularity contest. Um, why does money have to be such an influential driver in our political process the way it is, as it now stands? Right now, it's a, it's a matter of being able to get your message out and get, get name recognition. We had a town hall meeting with a, another group that I'm a member of. We talked with the, our, our congressman and says, hey, what would it take for someone to actually run a successful race? And he says, well, it's going to take about a million dollars if you're unknown. And that is based on print advertising and the multimedia advertising, whether it be TV, radio, Internet ads, all of those things, you just need to raise an awful lot of money to get your name out there. But in a 30-second soundbite, you can't really say what you stand for and how you would act once you're in Congress. All you can say is, yeah, I'm, I'm pro-life or I'm pro-guns or I'm, and, and list you know, soundbites. Mm-hmm. But we live in a soundbite world, and unfortunately, soundbites are, are very difficult for us to make a, a good quality decision on who we're going to actually entrust with the reins of our government. Well, you know, we stand strongly against the soundbite world here at FutureQuake. In fact, we're more firmly interested in the long-winded world if we're between the <laughs> two of them uh, because we feel like these issues need in-depth discussions, much less solutions uh, to what we're looking for. Uh, and uh, as, you, as you say, basically, these short pieces, all they can do is say stuff to make us feel good. If they can give us a quick slogan, if they can give something that they feel like they've dumbed down enough, uh, that we can remember and stick in our head. Um, they don't feel the need to have to back it up with facts or justification. Uh, even a simple one word like change uh, can do it. Uh, and both, yeah, both, both, both political change. parties have done it for a long time. Uh, they pay millions and millions of dollars to these, to these uh, image consultants who come in, and it's really a battle between them. I mean, it's, it's a, a battle between the Carl Roves, and the kind of guys on the other side like him, and they're just using these other characters almost like chess pieces 
uh, just to sort of outflank each other. It's like these old coaches in college sports, you know, that the players keep changing, but they still do a, do their battle uh, uh, like that. Interesting analogy. Um, is, as I understand it, you know, the whole situation with money, but basically we're in a situation where it's it's sort of a chaotic process, is it not? There's no real formal structure to be able to produce the candidates that we have to choose for major national office. And so then it results into who is well-connected, who can get into somebody else, get their support, get a well-spoken word, who can be big donors, because there is no structure at all to it. Um, only the people who have the hands on people who are already there are somehow connected are the ones that really make the decisions and then just put them right there before us, correct? Yeah. Well, I'm I'm actually been part of a one of the two major parties, and you know my my political leanings and political past really have no bearing on what Go is. Now this is not the but, Communist Party, is it? No, it is not the Communist okay. Party. I I spent <laughs> I spent too I spent too many years in the military, and my family has <laughs> has spent too many years actually fighting communists okay. and, and and fascists for me to actually find a that one. Yeah. Um, the but back to my point. There's inside those party structures, even at the even at the very local levels, right. which is really where I was involved at. Um, they handpick who they're going to really push for these next positions. And if you come in and you challenge one of the incumbents in your party, you will be ostracized and and basically ran out on a rail mm-hmm. as soon as they figure out this. Oh, we can't we can't have you out there. We need to we need to spend all of our time fighting the other guy. And instead of, well, let's have a let's have a reasonable debate about mm-hmm. why you're still here. You've been doing this for eight, ten, twelve, fourteen, twenty years. Don't you know, just think it's time we actually bring somebody else in and have some fresh ideas. Mm-hmm. So the, two, the way the two party system is set up right now, it is all about how can they maintain power and continue to, to shut out the American people mm-hmm. because American people is just the tool in which they need to use to get elected. Mm-hmm. But it really has no bearing whatsoever on how they judge to make rules or laws, or anything along those lines. Because if it made any difference, when when we have a 60 or 70% majority of the people saying, don't do this, yet they continue to do it. Immigration reform jumps to mind. National health care jumps to mind. Mm -hmm. You you have that kind of an outpouring from the public sentiment, yet they still decide to push forward and continue on. You realize quickly that the politicians and the two-party system have no no desire whatsoever to listen to the people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and people on the left and right both get very disappointed when they think someone is, is carrying forward their ideology and find out they just carry the ideology of the bankers, the other people that got them elected at the time. And as I understand this whole principle with money is that since you absolutely have to have money for organization, for staff, for all these other kind of things, no money comes to you without having strings attached. Nobody comes and gives you money and just say, hey, go, go to it, do whatever you think's best. So they're going to want something in return for the dollar they give. And so anyone Absolutely. that makes it up to that level has a whole lot of IOUs out that uh, are hanging over them that they've got to deliver on. And at the same time, uh, if they're thinking about leaving office one day, they may be feathering their beds to have a cushy place on the other side uh, to take them once they get out. And that's the normal path for most career politicians. They stay in as long as they can, uh, and then when, when it looks like their time is short, they do especially high favors to the people not for re-election, but for their next position that they're going into. And it, it just repeats itself over and over and over again, uh, it seems. C- can you? Yeah, my, bus- my business partner and I had actually had this discussion quite similar to this about two years ago, before we had found out about Go. And 
you know, we debated the situation back and forth. And he says, well, the problem is the system is, is built in such a way is it corrupts the people who run. And you can have an individual who decides that they want to get in for all of the right reasons. They want to be a public servant, not a politician. They want to come in and serve the, the, the general good of their, of their nation, serve the people in their district. But in order for them to actually achieve that level of authority, to have the ability to, to make the changes that they want to have changed, by the time they get there, they will be so dirty with what they owe other people that they will no longer be effective at actually bringing to pass their original agenda. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've sort of come to the same conclusion. I assume you have too, Tom, that that's basically just the way it is. Uh, yes. I didn't, I mean to, say, didn't mean to put you on the spot. No, I was going to try thinking about saying something witty, but actually, no. Yeah, I mean, you know, nothing witty. It's just that's just totally right uh, down the right down the, mm-hmm. the plate. That's exactly it. There's a few people like Ron Paul and and a handful of people we think that hopefully we cross our fingers haven't sold out, but you, you go really against the tide to even attempt to try to do that. Uh, can you elaborate further, just sort of uh, finishing up our assessment of our our current state? Anything else that you can add? To, to reinforce this belief, and do you believe that our current two-party system itself is fatally flawed by its very nature and irretrievably broken? Well, I absolutely agree with that. The, the two-party system serves only to maintain its relationship with itself and the other party and maintain power. That's it. That's all they want. How can I stay in power? What can I do to keep, keep moving forward? If you don't believe me, look and see how difficult it is to get on the ballot and not be one of the two major parties. They, and there are a couple states in our nation to where it is practically impossible to get on the ballot if you're not a Republican or a Democrat. Who writes those laws? Republicans and the Democrats. It's, it's not unlike going to your competition and asking them, says, hey, I'd like to start a business directly competing against you, and I want to buy the land across the street from you. Will you give me permission to do that? That, I mean, that's, that's literally what's happening with the, right. the Republicans and the Democrats. They control the state houses. They control the U.S. House. They're the ones that make all the rules and the laws, and they do everything they can to make sure they're the only two people on the field. They're the only two people with the ball that can play. Mm-hmm. Well, we've had the president and the vice presidential candidate of the Constitution Party on our show in the last year. Uh, they're fine people um, with uh, very sophisticated understanding politically and understanding what's going on. But they always run into this difficulty every year of more and more draconian laws in every state that make it more difficult. And, and they are the third largest political party in the country in terms of registered members. And even they have tremendous difficulty getting on the ballot uh, in, in these various states. And they make the laws more and more difficult and shut them out. And, in fact, even if you're a maverick within one of the two parties, and I'm thinking of Ron Paul again, you will find all sorts of dirty tricks that are played. Uh, by by the management of uh, in its either either party, will do it to keep out guys who are not their guys, even if they have a large following. So unless you're a big guy with a lot of money or uh, some other kind of political family connections or things like that, it's really extremely hard to have any kind of influence in the process, isn't it? It, it absolutely is. Um, I was um, I was actually at the state the last state convention for the Republican Party. When Ron Paul was was running, and I I saw exactly what you're talking about, how the Republican establishment said, okay, well, John McCain has won the the election here, and we're going to do everything we can to shut out the Ron Paul voters and not give them the opportunity to have a word in edgewise at the convention. 
And that was really the beginning of the end for me with the with the Republican Party. I just mm-hmm. I, I can no longer abide by that sort of behavior. I thought we were actually here to try to figure out who's going to be the best people to lead us and find the best way of actually getting our plans and, and, and our platform implemented. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, too many of the politicians see the platform as, oh, that's just something that the grassroots folks do. I don't have to abide by that. Yeah. You know, they have collusion now with other institutions like the mainstream media. Uh, even the Fox News, I can remember, had a certain rules that they had that you had to have a certain percentage in the polls to be able to be in their debate. And Ron Paul again had enough for the debate, and they still left him out anyway and took people below him in the polls like Rudy Giuliani and put them in the debate. And I can remember uh, the Ron Paul supporters having to go in the windows behind the restaurant where that uh, guy was doing the uh, polling of the people after the debate, <laughs> and they were having to hold their signs up in the windows. And, you know, you mentioned about that was the last straw for you. I think that was really it for me when I saw how when someone can actually come along and really inspire, particularly young people and people of different persuasions, and how the the, the powers that be will clamp down, uh, I realized that the bridges had to be burned and that things really had to start over from scratch. Uh, you know, in that respect. Well, I think that uh, even his the the Ron Paul uh, the meeting, big meeting they had there, the rally for the Republic there in Minnesota, it turned out the same or maybe even more people than the Republican mm-hmm. National Convention, didn't it? It was it was, it was extremely high, and of course yeah. the media downplayed it. Yeah, well, it didn't it didn't actually get any major media attention. Mm-hmm. That's right, because it it is a as a multi phase um, preservation of the status quo. And uh, the, the power brokers, of course, many of the people are actually literally married into a lot of these political leaders in these both of these parties. It's like a feudalist society. It's, you yeah, it in those, an in oligarchy. Those uh, but, but ultimately, would you agree with me, Steve, um, that it, the, the responsibility ultimately rests with the people? If people are going to be lazy and they're going to let the mainstream media chew their food for them and decide – who they should consider, allow the major party bosses to decide who they want, then there's no hope unless citizenry decides to take these important matters in their own hands. That's absolutely true. George Washington said it very well when he warned against a two-party system. Um, Benjamin Franklin said when he was asked after the, the Constitutional Convention had, uh, had adjourned and they had written the Constitution, a lady met him on the street and said, what type of government did you give us? And he said, quote, a republic, if you can keep it. And unfortunately, most, most republics and, and freedom-loving societies fall upon their own weight when it becomes apparent that you can vote yourself money to the treasury, through the treasury, taken from the pockets of the individuals who are successful. It is when that, when that occurs, it is the beginning of the end of the society. And we have long since passed that, that stage of our, of our nation. And it's time for us to actually push the reset button. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. our founding fathers were smart enough that they did build a reset button into this government. That reset button is the House of Representatives because mm-hmm. it is the only seat that, that comes up for election every two years that has a nationwide um, reach to it. So every all 435 members of the House of Representatives come up for election every two years. So when they find, we find ourselves in a situation where we are right now to where you have individuals like John Murphy who's bringing forth you know three or four million dollars every Every year, um, for every b- budget that comes through to, you know, add on to the airport that's built in his district that has his name on it, um, that has three flights a day on it, 
or when you have individuals like the you know the Bridge to Nowhere and the Ted Stevens mm-hmm. thing up in Alaska, uh, and you have all of these individuals up there. I can't believe Every you're saying this. This would be next thing you'll say that Robert Byrd actually sends money back in honor of himself. <laughs> is there any is there any public building, public road, or public bridge in his state that doesn't have his name on it? I I really don't know. I've never seen one that didn't have his name on it. Yeah, I mean it's, it's Robert Byrd everything in that in that state. So right. What do you what do you do at this point? The only thing you can do is punch the reset button, empty the House of, of Representatives out, and restock it with true citizen representatives. Mm-hmm. Now, in the representative that you should get out of San Francisco should be a little bit different than the representative you get out of North Dallas right. or out of Colorado Springs. And I'd expect that. But I honestly truly believe that if you give people the opportunity to investigate and interview the individuals who would be interested in running for Congress and then choosing the best person out of that crowd, that you'll end up with a better choice rather than what the representative that we currently have from the heart of San Francisco. You know how Miss um, Pelosi got her job. The representative in San Francisco had cancer, beat cancer, and then was getting ready to die. He died. His wife took the seat. She died. And they were like, oh, gee, who are we going to give this seat to? Mm-hmm. And they said, okay, well, we're real good friends with the Pelosi clan. And so they said, well, we've got this this, um, this young up-and-comer, Nancy. I think we can get her in this seat. And so they gave they, they gave their, their formal endorsement and then parting the bosses and the party machine got in line behind Nancy Pelosi and got her elected to that job. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's basically just out of college. She's really not accomplished anything. Now she's a member of the House of Representatives, and she's been there for, what, the last 20-something years. So you're saying that she didn't get that job because of her incredible wisdom and vision? I'm going to have to go out on the limb and say no. (laughs) I thought it was just that inspiring nature that she has for all of us. Uh, You you know, I'll tell you a story that... uh, sort of reinforces what you're saying. Um, the Future Quake show, prior to being its current location on the station, was on a community station that was staffed by people from the far extreme left wing. Uh, I mean, far left of Democrat. Uh, and we tend to come from the other spectrum. However, these people were true activists. They believed in their own worldview of accomplishing what they thought was important. I found that when we sat down and talked to them, we actually agreed on a lot of things. We agreed about the need to take care of our families, the need to take care of our communities to make sure people were taken care of, and and, and not just institutions and the powerful. What we only differed on was the way to accomplish it. And, And if you keep government decentralized, you can accomplish those goals in a manner that the community best sees fit. If you keep it decentralized and separate, each community can decide their their philosophy they want to use to do it. But what we find is the power brokers in the middle want to keep this battle going and want to demonize each other. And if we can get them out of the way, there's much more consensus you'll find than what you might expect. And like you say, they'll look a little different in their representation, but if you take true citizen representatives, I think they might actually even be able to cooperate and not look at actually posturing themselves and looking at what kind of leverage they get, you know, from uh, from one election to the next. So I think I think there's some real future in that. But I think the important thing I want the listeners to know before now we we get get in in deep with the the go process 
is that ultimately, whether it's the go system or whatever you do, it all boils down to citizens. If, if citizens don't buy into it and don't take personal responsibility, no system will work. Uh, if you decide that you want to be totally focused on your own personal life, on materialism, if you want the wealth of our country uh, to dominate uh, your lifestyle, uh, what's your focus, your time, and your attention? If you don't want to spend time looking out for your neighbor and your community and even people on the other side of the, of the country, uh, if you want to be self-centered and focused, then uh, there's no way any alternative system will work. But if you really want to take a little bit of your time and a very small bit of your time to actually try to contribute to make our country a better place that works, then the GO system, I believe, is a process that is a well-thought-out process that might actually accomplish this. We're back at Future Quake with Dr. Future. And Tom, not Dr. Future, Bionic. Well, I'm glad you clarified that. I'd yeah. hate to have my doppelganger here in the studio with me. Yeah. Well, uh, what do you think about, uh, you know, this first segment is like the, the dirty laundry, the, the bitter pill. The rest of the week is the good news. Kind of. Kind of. Well, but I think, I think in many of his assertions there was a lot of truth. Uh, one of the things he said that I would agree with is that the two-party system really is kind of broken. It it is and so systemically well. corrupt yeah. that where do you start in a way that doesn't corrupt the people that go through the system? And as they as he said, they believe that you can see even good people, well many people that start in a process mm-hmm. and they get over the edge to get to the part of of office. Mm-hmm. You've had to make so many accommodations to mm-hmm. get to national office mm-hmm. that uh, you've lost what kind of moral compass you had already, or you, mm-hmm. you're so beholden to people. Well, it's true. It's true. Uh, and again, you know, as I said, I said before we started this segment, I think, you know, one of the things that all Americans would agree on is that our political process really is kind of fatally corrupt or mm-hmm. fatally broken. And uh, or maybe he said that. I can't remember who said that anymore. Mm-hmm. Maybe you said that. Did you say that? Could have been something you heard in your head. All those voices again. Mm-hmm. Well, uh Yeah. The point is, is that it's all messed up, and he's got a system to fix it. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to the rest of this interview because he seems to be uh, a remarkably level-headed, intelligent individual, mm-hmm. which is unlike the two hosts. And it's, yeah, good point. <laughs> Took me a while to even recognize what you said. Uh, but, but their collaborators as well too also seem to have a real vision, mm-hmm. a very practical, pragmatic view. Even though they're people of vision and idealism, it's based upon a pragmatic understanding. Mm-hmm of the way things are, which is what we've established in this first segment of the show, mm-hmm. is that you're going to have to start from a clean sheet of paper. Mm-hmm. And, and we're not talking about revolution. We're not talking about throwing over the government or anything. That that the Founding Fathers foresaw ways that did not evolve into a two-party system to get the job done. Mm-hmm. And what you see, ladies and gentlemen, is not a have-to, but you're going to have to get involved in the process to make it work. And that's what you're going to learn about a way to get it in, get involved. Well, yeah. You know, you look at that plus all of the writings. Well, gosh, I didn't want to get into this because it will take – it's worth a whole yeah, other show. Yeah, that's the end of the time. Let's get Merv and well, Your get first step to get involved is to contact Merv and tell us what you think about us here at Future Quake. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. 
Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, we got to go. Mm-hmm. Come back tomorrow. We start really into what Go is all about, and I think you're really going to like it. Until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Ciao. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom, anti-illuminist, just like our founding fathers, Bionic. I'm glad you worked the Illuminati into the discussion. Wouldn't yeah. have been a good week. Well, no Rockefeller, Neth- yeah, Rockefeller Nephilim. and Nephilim. Okay, That's right. We're all, we're all hooked up. Ladies and gentlemen, it's great to be back for the next segment of our interview with Mr. Steve Armbruster, uh, representative of an organization called GO, or Get Out of Our House, uh, G-O-O-O-H.com. Hmm. Uh, and we're talking about a creative alternative to the power broker-based political process. This is a real process that's really gaining steam, a lot of people signing up. We need lots and lots of Futurians sign up to it. And once you hear it this week, I think you're going to want to. So let's go right on to the next segment with Mr. Armbruster, and we'll be right back to wrap it up here at Future Quake. I want to discuss the Go process from here on out and, and what is the solution. So so I want to know Tim Cox. He's the founder of Go, correct? Yes, yes. What gave Tim Cox the idea for Go, and how did he engage other colleagues such as yourself in that vision in time? Well, uh, it really started several years ago, um, back in the, the year of the hurricane, as it were, you know, Hurricane Cindy, Hurricane Dennis, Hurricane Katrina, Hurricane Rita. That's really where all of this got started. Um, he had had some, had some really tough, rough times in his, uh, his personal life, had some, had, you know, his, his dad had passed away, or his mom had passed away, um, a friend of his that was, uh, helping him coach the little league team actually committed suicide. They needed to get out of town for a little while, so they just, you know, loaded up the family, jumped in the truck, and, and drove to Florida. And they were, as they were pulling into uh, their uh, hotel, they, uh, there was a swimmer that got attacked off the, the, the coast by a shark. The swimmer survived, but the Cox family wasn't getting into the water. The air conditioner broke on the Suburban, so he's, he got everybody checked into the hotel, took the truck over to get it. Uh, worked on says, yeah, we can get that fixed for you. We'll get it done today. Not a problem. Only cost you a thousand bucks. He says, okay, well, that's fine. I says, is there a bookstore handy? I can go get something to read. He says, oh, so, sure. It's just a couple miles down the road. So up to this and, point, uh, he's having a great time, right? Yeah. It's really relaxing. Oh, yeah. Just, yeah. just, just having a great old time. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So he walks down the, the street and he calls his, his brother and asks him for a recommendation on a, on a book. And he gives him a recommendation of a Zen of, of motorcycles and, and, Maintenance or motorcycle maintenance, yeah. Yeah, so so that's what he was going there to get. And so he walks into the bookstore and he says, Hey, I'm looking for this book and the the guy behind the counter says, Oh sure, I know right where that is and starts walking him away. And a lady comes up to him and says, Sir, I've got a book I need you to read. And he's like, Okay, well, you know, let me see what you got. And so she takes him to a takes him over to the history and government section, and at this point Tim has exactly zero interest in history and government, and she gives him a book called The Brilliant Solution which was written about the writing of the Constitution. He takes a look at it and says, eh, well, you know, that's interesting, but no thank you. I'm going to go get this sin book. And she says, no, sir, you really need to read this book. And he says, well, you know, I'm, I'm just really not into government. It's really not, it's really not my thing. He says, sir, 
you need to read this book. And so it's okay, fine. I guess she's on a commission or something. So he gets the book and he, he and he leaves that. It leaves the um, the bookstore. The very next day, Hurricane Cindy or Tropical Storm Cindy comes ashore right over their hotel. And so yeah, a lot of time to start reading. So he starts reading this book and realizes the what it's what has happened with our with the founding of our nation and how the system, the system was originally built. Two days later, here comes Hurricane Dennis, and they, everybody has to leave town. So they leave. They leave Florida, start heading back to uh, to Texas. Then Hurricane Katrina comes through, and then right on its heels, Hurricane Rita. Now, uh, Hurricane Rita is bearing down for, for Houston, Texas, which is where um, Tim's dad lived. And uh, his his dad called him up in the morning and says, Hey, son, uh, hurricane's coming. Can we get out of town? Can we come up and, and stay with you? So, sure, come on up. About noon, his, uh, his stepmom calls and says, uh, You need to get down here. Your dad just had a heart attack. Oh, no. So he jumps in the truck and drives south towards Houston, passing the first two million people leaving Houston. Gets to the hospital and is meeting with a with a doctor, and the doctor says, "Son, I'm sorry, there's there's just nothing we can do. Hurricane's coming. You need to get out of town." So he turns around, gets in line behind the next four million people leaving Houston, and the three-hour trip to um, back to the Austin area takes him 23 and a half hours. Then the hurricane, of, of course, turns. Not a drop of rain falls in his in his, in his dad's house in Houston mm. at all. I and hope so some good stuff her... happens in this story soon. Uh, well, you know, <laughs> you, you will get there. Okay. I mean, it's, it's literally <laughs> it's the signposts in his yeah, life that literally right. dread, led him to where he's at. Right. And I can look backwards in my life and see the footsteps that have been laid out for me. And it makes it very clear and obvious which direction I'm supposed to go. Sure. And oftentimes, if we don't look backwards to see where we've been, you can't see the pattern and see where you're actually ending up at. Well, we're Christians on this show, so we take that very seriously. Yeah. Uh, when yeah. when and, God's you know, hands in our life. Yeah. You, know, you know, the 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 steps of a of a righteous man are truly ordered of the Lord. Amen. And I'm I am convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that I am doing what I'm supposed to be doing in helping build the Go system. Tim is convinced that this is his mission in life to have, have built the system and and be out promoting the system. Mm-hmm. So you know, so he goes back down to Houston and they have to turn the machines off on his dad. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's it's just been one of those years. And then the the poll comes out that says that eighty five percent of us disapprove of the job that Congress is doing, but ninety five percent of all incumbents that run for reelection are going to get reelected. So Tim is. He's just had enough, and he's he's in the truck with his son, his teenage son, and he's just complaining. And his son looks at his dad. You're a smart guy. You always tell us don't complain about something. Fix it. Mm-hmm. Why don't you fix it? Now, a little bit about Tim. He is he's a computer guy. He's a he's a systems guy. He's he's worked on some really neat projects in his life. Uh, he's part of the, the the people that built the the software for the KH11 spy satellite. Um, every time that you buy gas at the gas pump and you use their, using your credit card. You say thank you, Tim Cox. He was part of the the guys that built that system. So is he like and, part of the Antichrist B system? <laughs> no, I, I'm fairly certain we can come across that that he is not okay. part of that crowd. Okay. <laughs> um, he he was he did work for uh, for a small computer company in uh, mm-hmm. in Central Texas. You might have heard of it. Um, it was Dell. Yeah, that's the name of the company, Dell. Mm-hmm. And uh, when Dell got started building building and selling computers directly to the end user. There were 40 other companies doing building computers, mm-hmm. and they all told them, says, oh, that won't work. You can't do that. You can't sell computers directly to the end user. Today, Dell has one, comp- 
competitor left from that group of 40. Mm-hmm. When he was trying to sell Exxon and Shell and Chevron the deal on the credit card readers to the gas pump, he was literally laughed out of the offices of many of these companies. Yeah. It says, oh, people will never use a credit card to buy gas. But the paradigm had shifted, and they were not able to catch on to the, to the vision. Mm-hmm. So Tim says, okay, what could I do to solve this problem? So, well, for a computer guy, in order to solve a problem, you first got to be able to identify what the problem is. And so he says, okay, well, what are the, what are the leading indicators? What are the problems that have led us to the situation we are right now? And he came to the solution, the, the conclusion that the system's broken, mainly because the politicians are self-serving, and all they really want to do is get reelected. They are held accountable to the individuals who have paid the million dollars for their campaign, and they are um, responsible to one of the two major parties who have to you have to vote the way they tell you to vote, and there's no accountability to the voters. You had just. My personal life, I'm watching this the immigration um, debate come, coming down the pipe several years ago. John McCain's out rallying around that, saying, yes, we really need to do this comprehensive immigration reform. I remember saying to the guys on the job site I was working with, says, that's it. He just kissed his last chance at running for president away. It'll never happen now. But there was no accountability in the system. Mm-hmm. Voters forgot what he did, right. and, they put him back, and they put him on the ballot and, and gave him a shot at the presidency. Right. So there's no accountability. Well, this is, okay, so uh, Steve, Steve, if I could just yeah. interject uh, uh, something we went through here on the Future Quake show. Uh, we led a charge in support of another national movement when they were looking at the big banker bailout, the bank out for, the bailout for all the banks and the automakers right. and AIG. We, we, we were part of a movement to just flood letters, emails, faxes into our congressmen. Every one of them that said they were overwhelmingly against it. You know that the the citizens were overwhelmingly against it, but you mm-hmm. found a, a majority of both parties voted for it, and even our own congressman acknowledged that his constituents were overwhelmingly against it, but because of pressure from party bosses, they voted for it. And mm-hmm. in fact, if people will remember, both the Democrat and Republican candidates for president both went back and worked with their party bosses to put the squeeze on their other elected officials to approve those bailouts. And so yep. that, that's what I thought of when you're explaining this is the lack of accountability. They basically thumbed their nose at the American public and said, well, they'll forget about this later. And the, the people i got to keep happy are special interest and party bosses. And so Absolutely. I don't see any way with the two-party system the way it is that that is going to get fixed. That That was sort of a last stand to try to see if the system worked. And to me, it failed miserably. Absolutely. And so what Tim had to do was come up with a, a system, a way in which we could choose a representative that was not going to be constantly worried about his own career, not going to be tied, have his hands tied behind his back by the party bosses, not going to be obligated to any special interest group, and actually have an accountability back to the voters. And that's what the GO system actually is. It, 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 it re- removes these other issues from, the, from in front of these politicians to where the only thing that's left for them is to actually represent their people and be held accountable to the people in their district. That's the whole goal behind GO. And, and, and whether and, your district is... Right. And to vote consistent with what they already told everybody in advance they were going to do. Absolutely. Just, to, just basically Absolutely. to formally lay their vote down consistent with what they already pledged to do. 
Well, basically, what the the meat and potatoes behind the Go system is a hundred question questionnaire, which says if this piece of legislation was to come before you, how would you vote? Would you vote for this or against this? And we've had a lot of pushback on on some of these questions. It says, oh well, some of these questions are ambiguous. Um, there are there are other consequences for these questions and things along those lines. But basically, the purpose of the questionnaire is to basically draw a line in the sand and say, stand on one side of this or the other. Uh, for example, some of the questions. Would you vote for or against a, a bill that would limit uh, foreign aid to 10 countries or less per year? Would you vote for it or against it? Mm-hmm. Now, there's 190 or 192 nations on the face of the planet right now. You know how many of them we're actually giving money to? About 190. <laughs> Close, 160-something. 160-something we're giving to. What about the Faroe Islands? Are we giving any to the Faroe Islands? I don't know if that's on that list or not. Okay. Well, that's our escape uh, plan is the Faroe. That's the future quick escape hatch. We we were hoping some cash was heading that way. But but we're right with you there. You'll need to give me me some GPS coordinates on that one. I'll need to find (laughs) that one. (laughs) They would love the go system there, by the way. Okay. But, but I hear exactly what you're saying on that. That That is also a topic we've discussed much about, things like keeping our nose out of other people's business. Uh, you know, we know that our own neighborhoods and our own families, that if you want to get your nose blooded, you go stick your nose in your neighbor's business. But we do it all the time as a country. And, oh, absolutely. Uh, let, let, let me tell you in advance, because I really want to go into details of this, but I um, I signed up for Go today. Uh, I read, Thank you. read what was there. I was intrigued, impressed enough. Uh, there's a lot that's still to be discovered about it. I mean, it's an experiment in progress, but it was intriguing enough that I signed up and I went through that that questionnaire that you're talking about. And that's that's one of the main cruxes of it is this questionnaire where where people have tried the best they could, people of different political spectrums, to put some questions out that that can help distill out where your philosophy is, where you really lie on on how to address certain problems. And a lot of them I found were Sometimes they had multiple components, and I agreed with part and then not others, and I had to say, well, how do I answer this? Many of them were things that I agreed with philosophically, generally in principle, but I was worried about abuse of a certain approach, and so I might have to say no. There were some where it says, like you said, limited to to X percent of the budget or this or that, and my philosophy is is to get rid of it entirely, so I'd have to vote against it because I believed in getting rid of all of it, or I believed at a minimum what was suggested in the question could do it. But but what it did was it caused me to think. We think a lot about these things on this show anyway. That's sort of what we do, but the average citizen doesn't stop and be asked that. Most of the time, you know, if you overhear people talking in the restaurants at the table, people are talking about sports or celebrities or what's the latest thing going on in their neighborhood. Well, Keen Phoenix's new look. Yeah, they, they exactly. Yeah. They aren't asking these hard questions and putting people on the spot and say, take time for a minute and think this through. And that's what your system does, does it not, for every citizen? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think one of the, the major problems that we've had in our nation has been at least, and I'm, I'm still a young kid, you know, as long as I've been alive, my dad always told me, he says, do not talk about religion and politics. You know, it's, it's, it's not nice, it's rude, you cause problems when you talk about religion and politics, you just don't discuss it. So no what is happening? goes to dinner with me. Or <laughs> <laughs> well, they get up and leave halfway through. Yeah, I know. Mm-hmm. So, you know, what, what has ended up happening? We now have a, a group of, we have a society that, has no regard for public policy, 
and has no regard for the things of God. Now, we can all choose to agree or disagree on, on different issues, and we have a what we call a mock selection session where we get a group of people together. You get Instead of answering 100 questions, you only answer 20. Now, do you instead actually mock down, them in the mock section? <laughs> do you mock each other? You're no good. No, you, You're no good. Now, <laughs> well, you can, but it's not a really good way to win oh. friends and influence people. It's oh, not It's not that kind of... a Dale Carnegie thing. Yeah, it's not that kind of no, mock, no. mock decision. No, we're looking, okay. we're looking for definition number two of okay. mock in oh, that situation. Okay. Got it. Um, <laughs> so basically, in... This late spring, we're going to have the full-blown selection sessions where you're going to have to answer all 100 questions. You're going to sit down with 10 other people in your district and interview those other nine people and see who's going to be the, de- the two best people out of, your, um, out of your group of 10 to represent you. And then the next, next week, we're going to do it again with new but fewer groups of 10 and continue doing this until we get down to one final group of 10, and they will be the group that chooses the one person out of the 10 to go be the candidate that we're going to put on the ballot. Okay, let me, we're doing... let me see if I understand this right as an outsider here. Okay, Steve. Basically, okay. the philosophy of Go is that candidates come from the bottom up rather than the top down. So, so Absolutely. Rather, rather than forcing from some head shed somewhere, you're going to like this person, like it or lump it. Uh, the, the grassroots people get together, and they start seeing what person embodies the kind of commitments that at least a plurality of the people in your district actually support. I'm assuming they look at other character traits or other kind of things that would, in addition to that, you know, because there are going to be a lot of people, if you have a lot of participants, they're going to be very close on things. Uh, and maybe right. that's something you can explain a little bit. You talk about these meetings to get together. After everyone, when you sign on, you actually fill out all the information. I mean, theoretically, everybody who decides to participate could be a potential candidate as a representative for their district, correct? Absolutely. If they, and they choose what to, if they want to. Wow. Dr. Fletcher right. for the well, House of Representatives. Exactly. And I'm hoping Steve will endorse me here today for our, <laughs> our district. Well, you see, I don't, I don't have a vote in Tennessee, so it doesn't, you know, right. my endorsement right. doesn't mean anything for you. Um, but what we're really looking for is for everybody to get an opportunity to go to the website and, yeah, declare... And, and we understand there's, most people have no desire whatsoever to serve in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. Getting inside the Beltway, people's IQ begins to just plummet. I don't know if it's something in the air or what, but, you know, when you when you step inside those those white walls up there, mm-hmm. bad things start happening to you. Yeah. So most people have a low um, idea and opinion of individuals who actually work in government. Mm-hmm. And so most people don't want to do it. But you would like to have a say in who's going to be your representative. And so the way we're going to choose our representative is in these groups of 10. And if we've got a 1,000 people in your district who have all signed up with Go, all passed the, the screening exam and have um, answered all 100 questions, they are going to be the ones that choose the one person. So one out of those 1,000 is going to be the, the, the rep for that district or the candidate to be the, that rep. Mm-hmm. And it's going to rise from the bottom to the top. And... If we get a typical smattering of of political viewpoints in that group of thousand, you'll end up with forty percent conservative, forty percent moderate, ten to fifteen percent hardcore liberal, and about five to ten percent which just kind of float around in the pile and really don't fit into any one category. The far extremes on either side of this are gonna get immediately cut away because they're going to be too too odd for the group. 
And so if you've got one or two liberals and one or two, you know, right-wing nut jobs on the far side, you know, the and and if you get those in there, those are going to be the people that get, get booted off the island is the way I like to word it um, first. Mm-hmm. The individuals who are really into the, you know, whole survivor and... Um, Steve, let me ask you a question. There's another dimension. There's one thing that's ideology, like uh, what would be the technique by which you would accomplish good things in society. There's a a right-wing way in worldview, and there's a left-wing. But then you have process, and there's people like, for example, libertarians that believe – they don't believe in a really strong government that authoritatively imposes a right or left-wing, but it decentralizes down hopefully as much as possible on the individual level. As possible, or, or small local levels. That that really isn't a right wing left wing because some libertarians in their own personal lives have more left wing ideologies and some more right wing. But it's the process. Is there room for people like that? For example, in reading the questions, uh, I have tended to grow in more libertarian ideologies as I get older. And there's many questions where I sympathize with a certain ideology represented in the question. But I don't want to impose that on my other fellow neighbors, so I'm hesitant to vote in something that I wouldn't want something pushed on me. Is there still room for people like that in this system to have uh, considerable influence? Absolutely. There's really only only one group of people that are not permit, that, that have no at the table with us. That's individuals who are currently uh, elected to office or their direct family members. Okay, so you know if you were uh, so the Bush like, twins, for example, would not be eligible for participation. I'm sorry, who was not eligible? The, Bu- for the, the Bush twins, they wouldn't be no, eligible. No, they would not. I mean, if your last name was Kitty and you know you were married to uh, to Ted, you probably participate. What about um, Rockefellers? For, would any Rockefellers be allowed? And you'd have to be really far removed from uh, from the the, the head clan clansmen in that crowd. Okay. Okay. So, Okay, so that's really the, the one group of people that basically right. are said, sorry, you can't participate. Right. Uh, we, do, we do have one plank in our platform, and that is term limits. In order to participate, you have to agree to support term limits, if they come for the House of Representatives, to two terms or less. Now, there's a, there's a huge back, backlash right now. We've got several GOSIN members who really have a big problem with that. And our deal is... This is the House of Representatives. was supposed to be the people's house. It was never supposed to be a house of politicians. It was never supposed to be a, a place to where you're supposed to go for prolonged periods of time. Go up, serve your district for a short period of time, and go back to work in your district doing whatever it was you were doing before you came. So those are really the only only caveats to the to the system. You have to agree to term limits, whether you like them or don't like them. And you can't be elected to a federal office or be related to somebody who's elected to federal office. Those are really the only only limitations. Aside from that, if you get enough people that are li- with a libertarian mindset in your district, you can get a libertarian to be your candidate. If you've got enough um, enough support in your district for that person, or if the only people that sign up in your district are libertarian, then that's going to be the type of people that's going to that's going to be represented. So this is a system that could naturally have an appeal for people across the political spectrum as long as they just don't want insiders running the show. Left or right, whatever the general consensus of a particular community is, it allows people who really espouse those beliefs rather than a a jaded power group to be able to let that come forth and have proportional representation in the House of Representatives. 
I, I get a lot of pushback from individuals who says, oh, well, what we really need to do is we need to put conservatives in the Republican Party and we can we can just win back the government that way. But and, and my answer to them is, okay, do you really honestly and truly believe in your heart of hearts that a good, solid, strong, conservative Republican is going to beat Nancy Pelosi in a general election? Not in San and, Francisco. Not in San Francisco, no. And people can point to the Scott Brown race all you want and say, oh, well, a Republican won in the bluest of blue states. He did not announce that he was a Republican. It was not on any of his campaign literature. It wasn't on any of his signs. He didn't run as a Republican. The Republican Party did not come out and endorse him, did not help him, did not spend any money on his behalf, until he closed the percentage gap from 30% down to 9%. So he ran as an independent. I mean, he was on the Republican ballot, mm-hmm. but he didn't run flat-waving the Republican flag, he said, I'm going to go and do these specific things. I am I am for national defense. I am against the national health care system. I will be the 41st vote. So he came out and he said, these are the things in which if you send me there, I will do. And that's why I see the Scott Brown race as as proof of concept for go. Mm-hmm. Granted, we didn't we didn't have a selection session and, and have Scott Brown bubble up through the system. And yeah, he is a, a political guy because he was a, a member of the state house of representatives in Massachusetts for a while before he he ran for office. But he he basically did what we were advocating to do: list how you are going to to vote, promise that that's the way you're going to to, to operate, and just ignore the other the other side. Says this is what I'm going to do. You can vote for me. Or you can vote for them, but I don't want you to vote against them to vote for me. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, every every major election I've I've voted in, every national election, save one, I have voted against one party. Yeah, yeah. I've very seldom do I have the opportunity to vote for somebody. Mm-hmm. And now, in some of, some of the local elections, I do know some of the people who are actually running. I know their their character, and I know their heart, and I says I can support you. And give me your campaign material, and I will walk my neighborhood. I walk my neighbor's neighborhood to try to get get your name out there and help you get elected. Mm-hmm. And I voted for them, but by and large, I'm voting against somebody because I'm trying to choose the lesser of two evils. Right. What Go does is it gives us the opportunity to give somebody in your district that will represent your district, and the person in San Francisco is going to be left of center, and the person in North Dallas or in Colorado Springs is going to be right of center. And that's the way it ought to be. Mm-hmm. Well, let me let me just say too, as I've reiterated, when you have that, I think you'll find more people can cooperate, and even from different ideologies, if they're sincere, they will still accomplish and get things done. Uh, anyway, we're back at Future Quake with Doctor Future and Tom going quickly bionic. Right. Uh, you know, uh, most of the this segment talked about how the idea from Go came along. Yeah, boy, that was a real downer of a story there, wasn't it? You know. But the impression, and, I, and I, I take it that these guys in this organization, many of them are men of faith, and, and you see this thing of if this is something that is for good that comes out this way, which I think it will mm-hmm. be, that if God's hand was involved in it, there were a lot of coincidences that had to happen and people that he put in the right place to germinate this idea. Mm-hmm. And I think it, that reading between the lines, it seems to me that that's sort of how they're seeing this kind of thing. It's funny you mention that because I'm not trying to make it think super sacred. It's just sort of the yeah, I I get that sense too. Yeah, Uh, we need to get Merv in, someone else who could tell you how to contact us at Future Quake. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. 
email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. we got to go. Speaking of somebody super sacred. Right. Come back. We'll have more to talk about tomorrow. Until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom, the Lost Planet Airman, Bionic. This is not even foreshadowing. This is something we talked about offline. Off-air shadowing, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Let you all figure out what it is. But one thing we we can tell you, that we're going to cover our third segment of our interview with Steve Armbruster, who represents an organization called Get Out of Our House, or GO, Mm -hmm. G-O-O-O-H. And uh, it is a group that has a very novel alternative way of picking picking our elected officials, which sounds like an outrageous idea and something extremely ambitious. Mm-hmm. But as you hear the details in the next two days, you're going to find it to be a very practical, uh, down-to-earth kind of way that just might be able to be pulled off if we all get involved and support it. Uh, I think these next two days you're going to hear some things that are going to be very exciting if you've not heard it yet. Uh, so we need to go to his discussion of a creative alternative to the power broker-based political process, and then we'll be right back to wrap up this segment here on Future Quake. Let me just review again real quick and make sure I understand this, the system. Basically, what our listeners need to do is they go to the website, and that's G-O-O-O-H dot com. They need to go sign in right there. There's just a minimum amount of information uh, that you need about yourself. You um, begin proceeding to fill out this questionnaire of basically where you stand on these political questions, and it's enough to sort of distill out um, where, there, where there's a real distribution of consensus amongst the people. Uh, but some of the things that you do require uh, to keep the, the system honest is that if, if one chooses to, to actually be willing to be a representative, if so chosen, you don't have to. Like you said, you can, you can uh, make yourself available to be a representative. Or you could also um, just want to be one of the party bosses along with everybody else in your district and help decide and be a kingmaker of who gets it. But through this process, if you're picked, you have to make a decision and you have to sign up and say, I commit to what I put in my questionnaire and what people select me based on, or I agree uh, that I will you know, have a legal requirement to step down within, say, 72 hours, I believe. Is that? That's is, absolutely right. Uh, that you we, have we to do that. that. Mm-hmm. We say that if you answer these questions and make your own platform, then because you answered the questions and you say, this is the way I believe, we should be able to count on you to vote this way if you go to Washington. So if you go to Washington and all of a sudden there's the, the term limit issue comes up to, for a vote and you say, well, you know, I know I said I would support term limits, but now I'm here. And so I'm going to take the Dick Army approach and say, well, you know, we don't need term limits anymore. I'm in office. I'm in power, and so if you vote against term limits at that point, you have a an obligation to step down within 72 hours. 
Right. Now, there's two ca- there's two caveats to that. People will say, oh, well, you'll never be able to get that to stand up in a court of law. I don't think we need to. Right. Article 1, Section 5, Article 1, Section 5, Clause 2 states that either body of the Congress can remove any member of their body by either a two-thirds or three I think it's a two-thirds majority vote. So basically, all we have to do is say, you know, Representative Armbruster from uh, Central Texas said that he was going to vote for term limits and has now chosen not to. I think it's time that we restore honor and integrity back to this House. All in favor of removing uh, Representative Armbruster from, from Texas, say aye. Aye. You get a two-thirds, <laughs> you get a two-thirds majority, he's gone. Right. And so... Now, well, in a, in a worst-case scenario, worst case, since you have awakened the citizenry to, to take an active role, even if there was some kind of drug-out legal battle or whatever, like heaven forbid, they're never going to even get the next whatever is left of their two-year cycle at a minimum because now the citizenry is engaged, and when they see somebody has betrayed them, they're not going to do like they did last time. There's no way they're going to get back in there because people Absolutely. now are actually involved in the process. Right. Well, in order to get reelected under the O system, you have to answer the hundred questions again, mm-hmm. and and go through the process one more time. And so, right. if you go in there and you say, "Well, I was going to vote to limit foreign aid to less than ten countries," it's what I said. But I signed onto the budget that had foreign aid for 160 nations on it. When you sit down in that first round of ten, there's no way you're going to make it out of there. Mm-hmm. There's going to be five or six or eight or nine other people in there that says, oh, by the way, you said you were going to do this, yet you didn't. Now, that area is the area that's, that's foggiest for me, that I want you to clarify how you envision this working. You, you, you break individual citizens that are part of GO in each district in small groups of ten, and then you begin this, this winnowing process uh, right. of taking the top people, and then they meet in the survivors in the next round of things. Um, how does how does the dynamics play in these meetings? Is it like a caucus kind of thing? Does everyone give a little talk? The ones that want to be selected, do they say, here's why I want to be picked? You already see my answers to the questions. Is there a debate? How, how does it work? Well, basically, it's going to be um, one-on-one bi-directional interviews. Now, you're going to start off with a introduction. It says, hi, my name is Steve, 35 years old, former Marine, husband, um, father of two, been married for 15 years, and you can give examples of, you know, who you are. It says, I want to be a representative because, and you kind of explain who you are, and, and, and you, do, you do this all the way around the room, all 10 people. And once you've done this, you're actually going to go into, you'll, you'll have your first vote of, com- vote of confidence and no confidence, and you will vote for the one person that you like the most so far, and you'll vote against the one person you dislike the most. The one person that doesn't represent you based on the answers to their questions and the way that they carried on their their conversation. You'd asked earlier, you know, how are you going to how are you going to pick somebody? You know, right? You can pick them based on anything that you want, based on their ability to carry on a sentence without using the word um or like seventeen times, the ability to 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 give a a simple two minute political speech without the use of a teleprompter. Um, you know who their favorite football team is, but you don't think it'll answers. descend into another popularity contest like what we have right now, just at a miniature scale? Um, actually, no, because the major piece of this puzzle actually comes down to the hundred question questionnaire. Mm-hmm. Because it's I'm I am not going to vote for an individual in my group of ten who is very smooth and eloquent and uh, well spoken, 
who disagrees with me on a handful of issues. And for me, you know, those those handful of issues for me basically come into the three G's, you know, guns and God and gays. Sorry, if you disagree with me on the um, on gay gay marriage, if you disagree with me on Second Amendment rights, if you disagree with me on First Amendment um, freedom of religion, I don't care who you are. I'm not going to be voting for you. Mm-hmm. And so I don't care how smooth and eloquent you are. If you break if you break those barriers, and that's that's Steve's rules, not anybody else's rules. And other people, it may be something else. It may be it may be the farm subsidies deal. It might be um, you know there's a hundred different questions, and they they range the, the gambit of every possible subject that we're that we're faced with today, from prisons and education and the border and abortion. I mean, there's there's huge issues amongst us right now. Those are going to be the the things that really pick out the our, our best candidate. Mm-hmm. So in that first round of ten, only two people is going to going to rise to that top. And so after the first week, eighty percent of all of the participants of Go are going to go home. And only twenty percent will remain. And then we will do that again and again and again. And you know, after two after two rounds, you'll only have four percent of the participants actually still in the game, still still Trying to work their way up and bubble mm-hmm. up through the system. Right. After two after two rounds, the group of the the group of people that remain are going to be incredibly smart, well educated, successful, well spoken people, and the answers to the questionnaire is going to be basically identical. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's going to be you may vote for something and mm-hmm. that person may vote against them, but you the reason you voted for it and the reason he voted against it is for the same reason. So, sta- um, yeah, statisticians will tell you that you will start reflecting the values of the community once you've distilled through that many people. Right, and, that, and that's the beauty of the GO system. Yeah. Uh, one of the, the major, the, one of the, in our mock selection sessions, one of the questions that Erickson made the cut on there is, would you vote for or against a law that removes the bottom 3% of all teachers every year? Whoa. I agree with I agree with the premise that we really need to start removing the worst teachers from our school system. I disagree with the concept that that's something that I want the federal government to actually do. Yeah, now that's See, me. That was the same process I went through, Steve. I had a lot of the same questions. I agreed with the intentions, but the but the the technique I disagreed with. But but the questions provide good fodder for debate. So if right. if if you have an opportunity in these groups to be able to explain why you answered just like what you did and, and everybody's a little wiser because I would hope other people might have enlightened answers that would influence my views. Once they yeah, explain that, their vote, it might be, hey, I hadn't thought of that before. That's a good point to make. And everyone gets more educated by the process itself. Yeah, and that's exactly what's going to happen in the system. You know, you give that, that first, you know, little one-minute or two-minute speech and you get that first round of voting out then you actually break out into one-on-one pairs, and you will interview the other nine people one-on-one, and you'll sort the group of 100 questions to what are the most important things to you. And if the most important questions to you are the three questions on abortion, the question on gay marriage, the nationalized health care, uh, the right of uh, the, the Second Amendment rights, or whatever, you can sort those questions all the way up to the top of the list so that you will see the, the answers of these people, and you say, okay, you disagree with me on these very key points. Why should I support you? And then you'll be able to interview these folks. And if there's 
you know, well, you know, I would agree with this if this was changed in such a way. Mm-hmm. You can actually start, like you said, winnowing out these individuals mm-hmm. that just don't believe the way that you believe. And there's still an opportunity That's, for people who may have a, let, let's say, for example, they have a certain visionary view that other people haven't caught out yet. It gives them a, a potential to actually persuade other people to see a better way, if it so exists. Right. Right. Okay. Now, the, the, the thing about that is, once the selection sessions start, you have to lock in your answers. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's kind of like the, the the game show. Is that your final answer? If you right. say yes, you lock it in. That's it. The only way you're able to change your answer after that is if you are elected to office and you come back to your district and you ask the GO participants to give you the permission to change your vote. So we come back to the question about the foreign aid. He says, "Okay, well, I said that I would limit foreign aid to more than to, to no more than ten, to ten nations this year, and we've cut all the foreign aid out of the budget. But there have just been earthquakes and tsunamis and hurricanes in fifteen nations, and we really need to support these nations. They really need our help. Will you give me the permission to change that vote so that what I can we can actually vote to support these nations and, and, and provide humanitarian relief? Mm-hmm. If the people of your of your constituents, if they give you the permission to change that vote." Then you change your vote, no, no consequence. So that would be different than what we have today, where people, they, they take the breaks, the congressmen, they come home, they have town hall meetings, like recently, where all of the constituents across the country told their congressmen that they were crazy for voting for these things, and then the congressman abruptly uh, ignored them and came back exactly. and said, our own constituents are crazy, we're doing what mm-hmm. we please. You're trying to set up a system to avoid that, where there's, there's perpetual accountability. Yes, but we want the number one focus of our politicians, of our representatives, let me rephrase that, not our politicians, but of our representatives, to be the people, not themselves, not the special interest money, not the two-party system. We want the people to be the number one focus. And you're not asking them to vote for things they don't believe in. You're only asking them to vote for the things they committed in writing that they said they would do, is to just be people of their word and vote on their own convictions. Yeah, in support you know, of the people who sent him there. Yeah, you know, what does the Bible say? It says, blessed is a man who swears to his own hurt and change not. If I mm-hmm. give you my word that I'm going to do something, that's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Right? It's, it's very easy for me to stand up and say, this is what I believe, and stand behind it. Difficult, more difficult for me to stand here and you tell me you will support this. Mm-hmm. And then two years later, I have to still stand behind what you told me to do. Well, that's what we're expecting of our politicians now. We build a platform, either the Republican platform or the Democrat platform, and we tell them, okay, this is the platform which you have to run on, which is why a lot of the politicians say, well, that's just something that the grassroots folks do. It has no bearing on what we do. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, the, the other thing is someone, let's say they had a real change of heart, and they elect that process, and they go back to their constituents, they ask for this waiver or whatever to, to be able to change their view, and the electorate says no. We want you to stick with what you have. You always have the option to resign and to say, no, this is, and that may be extremely rare, but it's the noble thing to do, and it's the thing that's best for society is to do it. But it brings back a civility and, and the community first uh, aspect to the whole service. It, uh, public service becomes service then in, in that point. Right. Now, they, they do have one other option. Their other option is not to vote at all. Right. Yeah. So, so if you if you say this is you know I am going to vote for the fair tax and then you get up to Congress and you find out gee voting for the fair tax would be a bad idea because X Y and Z 
And so you go back to your constituents and you say, voting for the fair tax would be bad because of X, Y, and Z. Will you let me change my vote? They say no. Well, you still know more than you knew Mm -hmm. when you first said that answer. Right. So your choices are vote the way that you intended, the way you originally Mm -hmm. said you would vote, or don't vote at all. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because the constituents didn't give you the opportunity to change your vote. Right. Abstentions are are acceptable alternative, then, is what you're saying. Yes. Okay. So, but if you believe that it's some, if, if, you know, if your one vote is the one vote that's necessary to actually make this thing happen, then you vote your conscience and resign. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't expect that's really going to be an issue because right. if you, most of the people, if you will go to them with the discussion points and says, okay, I think that this, the, the way this question was worded on the, on the questionnaire led me to believe this thing. I am now privy to more information and give the information that's that's necessary and say this is why this would be a better decision mm-hmm. and if you will bring that bring the government back to the people you will find that the people will be very amiable and easy to work with rather mm-hmm. than having these vicious town hall meetings where you've got people that are yelling and screaming at their congressmen and senators mm-hmm. because they're sick and tired of getting ignored right I mean, right you're giving them the respect be? yeah yeah i mean how hard would it be for them to put a a survey on their website for some of these big issues that are coming down the down the pipe that say, how would you vote on this piece of legislation the way it's worded right now? And you, know, you just log into the congressman's site, you know, you give them your voter registration number so there's no cheating on the vote, and then you just take a poll. Mm-hmm. I mean, Tim's company right now has the, has the software right now. We could give it to every congressman right now to do that very thing. But they don't want to do that because they are they are sure. more interested in serving themselves rather than serving the people. Well, let's let's talk about the elephant in the room right now, okay? Um, right. Even Tom though, well, <laughs> you're not Just that kidding. big. I've never said you were that big. Uh, the you, what this system does is make every possible effort that can be done to take money and influence out of the equation. Nevertheless, mm-hmm. it's you still have to have some money to buy buttons and signs and flyers and door knockers, maybe a few advertisements and things like that. There's no way to, to ultimately get around some miscellaneous expenses are involved just to get the word out to people who aren't already in the Go system. Maybe one day, if you get the majority of the public involved in Go, even that becomes moot because people are already engaged in the system and understand who's running and what the issues are. I mean, that that should be a goal ultimately is to make advertising irrelevant because the electorate is actually, you know, informed in what's going on and they've taken charge themselves. But until that day comes, you need money for those kind of things, particularly in the early days of go. How do you come up with this minimal funding required uh, for these uh, operations to run a campaign? Well, um, our goal is 500,000 members to actually go to our website, go.com, G-O-O-H.com, and join. Answer the 100 questions. And then if you are committed to actually participating in the system, we're going to ask every one of them to give $100, a one-time donation of 100 bucks. Right now, we do not want or need any money from anybody. And, you know, how many times do you ever hear somebody in the political realm saying, please send me no money at all? Yeah, and that's what's exactly going on what, here? <laughs> Yeah, that's exactly what we're saying. Please do not send us money. Uh, we've had people that have, that have donated because they said, I'm sold on this and I want to give. And, you know, we, we do accept those, those do- donations. They do go into a, uh, into a bank account. All of our filings are with the FEC. We have done everything 
as, as legal and above board as we possibly can. We try to fulfill not only the, the letter of the law, but the spirit of the law as well. Once we hit 500,000 members, we'll ask everybody for a one-time donation of 100 bucks, which means we will raise basically overnight between 25 and $50 million, which we will begin the national um, advertising campaign. Now, will most of that go in your pocket, Steve, or Mr. Actually, Cox? no. Okay. No. Um, we, all of this stuff is actually listed out on the website, how we plan on spending the money. Mm-hmm. But less than 10% of that money is going to be used for administrative costs. Because you, know, mm-hmm. you do have to pay people to answer phones and, and do mailings and all of that. Right now, all of that stuff is being handled by volunteers. Yeah, you've put out an outrageous amount of work even to date, haven't you, uh, to oh, get yeah. it to this stage <laughs> without any kind of money back? Well, yeah. I mean, Right now, the reason I'm doing this interview with you today instead of yeah, because Tim's in Pennsylvania. Um, holding a uh, a mock selection session up there and, and getting some people in, in the Pennsylvania area educated tomorrow. I think he's going to be in the state. So was he uh, with more important people today? No, he's just with different people. I thought maybe you lost the bed or something. <laughs> no, because no. we hear a lot of Coin guests. Toss and it was yeah, uh, a lot of guests right tell us that that they've fallen on hard times and they got stuck with us. So, so sorry about no, that. No, actually, yeah, that's not, not the way that works at all. You see, Tim. Because Tim was able to work in some really great places in his in his life, he was able to finance this whole deal right. himself. He and his wife are, are really funding this mm-hmm. all by themselves. And so, you know, he, he buys his plane tickets. He stays in his own hotel rooms. He does all of these things. Sure. doesn't ask for money. Uh, so he's right now doing that. He travels the nation making the, uh, making the poll, trying to get people to join. Mm-hmm. Once we hit 500,000 members, we'll ask for that one-time donation. Why five hundred thousand? Two reasons. One, we figured out that you need to you need about thirty to forty million dollars to run an effective national ad campaign, which is going to reach everybody in the United States and get go to become the water cooler conversation issue of the nation. But that's to cover yeah. all four hundred thirty five go candidates, right? Right. Covers well, that's everybody. The starting point. That's what, oh, our goal is to to get five hundred thousand people and stop. We're going to get right. to 500,000 people. We're going to raise the 40 to $50 million we need. We're going to start advertising, and our numbers are going to grow from 500,000 to 5 million and hopefully 50 million and beyond of people that are actually sick and tired of the way politics have been run for as long as they have. Now, the other restriction that we do have is on each individual candidate, you can raise no more than $20,000 to run on campaign, and you can raise no more than $500 from any one individual. Right, so if I wanted to give to the candidate who's going to be running in my district, I can give him 500 bucks. Can't give him any more. Mm-hmm. And he can rent no more and spend no more than $20,000, whether it's his own money or anybody else's money. He can spend no more than $20,000. That eliminates the need for incredibly expensive campaigns. Well, gee, Steve, how are you going to run an effective campaign of $20,000 when your opponent's going to be running million-dollar ad campaigns? Because we're going to fund a national ad campaign which is going to sound something along the lines of, if you like the way the Republicans and Democrats have been running the nation, you like the $14 trillion debt, you like the open borders, you like the fact that 3% of our high school seniors don't graduate from school, if you like all of these things that the Republicans and Democrats have done to us for so many years, then keep voting for the same Republicans and Democrats who have given us all of these failures. Well, you've got However, lots of spokesmen for Go too mm-hmm. that are going out everywhere, and you know we're sort of kingmakers here at Future Quake. Yeah, we don't we don't talk about that too much, but we're we're kind of 
the big deal in, in yeah. media. We you know. coronate people, you yeah. know, who comes on top. Oh. And that didn't cost you too <laughs> it didn't, I don't think he's buying it. <laughs> yeah, didn't cost you too much to come on here, Steve. So there's a lot when you're organized, there's a lot of other media and things when you're you know, quote, legitimate, like what you're saying, where you can come on these other kind of forums and things like that and it feeds on itself. If you've got 500,000 people sign up to go, simply the water cooler discussions are going to augment the paid advertising as well. So you're going to have a lot of different angles of attack is what I'm saying. Absolutely. And if you think about it, in your district, there's going to be between 1,000 and 2,000 people that will have participated in selecting you to be your to be the campaign the, the candidate. You now have a thousand to two thousand campaign workers on the ground that are going to be talking to their neighbors saying, Hey, I know him. I sat down in a room and I talked with him. I know him. He is going to be a very good representative. So you have people on the ground who are going to have the ability to actually, you know, sign all the petitions necessary for us to get on the ballot, which is going to be another reason why we need that, that group of 500,000 people because we need signatures to get on the ballot in just about every state. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, you're, you're also going to have a huge force of individuals in which you can draw from to actually start knocking on doors and talking to people and say, hey, you know, I know him. I know her. Mm-hmm. They are good quality individuals. We really need them in office. Mm-hmm. And they've already been selected by a large portion of, of the people of the district already. They've already Absolutely. gone through a process of selection. And I can tell you that... Uh, uh, even if someone came out that didn't espouse a whole lot of my views directly, I would still go aggressively campaign for them over the established two-party figures because I realize things have to change. We're back at Future Quake with Dr. Future. And Ramalama Tom Bionicus. Mm-hmm. Uh, would that be Tom Go Bionic? Yeah, Tom is thus far a very big fan of Go Bionic. You, you going to go check it out? Uh, G-O-O-O, check it out. H. Yeah, G-O-O-O-H dot com. <laughs> Check it out. Uh, we talked about the real mechanics of Go. Uh, a lot of thought went into this, mm-hmm. and particularly a lot of thought about how to make sure that it doesn't have missteps as best as possible, mm-hmm. how to keep the system from being gamed as best as I know. Although I think we should attempt that. I think we should pack the uh, meetings here in Tennessee with Futurians. What do you think? Awesome idea. They'd be sort of like the unions when they go in there and crack heads, you yeah. know, inside these meeting halls. Well, we're going to sort of like our like brown shirts that would go into the go yeah, meetings. Say you better watch out for the Pinkerton security. Yeah, yeah. All wearing red. Yeah. yeah, they could all come in and just hoist us to power. There you go. You know what we could do is we could alternate uh, terms so we wouldn't have the succession of terms. Youth and me, you right, and me. Right, yeah. right. I was thinking of... Since we're not technically related, we don't have anything about being related to politicians. Yeah, there you go. Well, I was going to say, yeah. you could be, you know, you could be... Uh, uh, I'd rather run for, like, Ministry of Justice or something. Okay. You know, I almost ran for railroad commissioner in Kentucky back mm. when I was in college because it was a position that had a salary, but I had no assigned duties. And wow. I didn't do it, and ended up some other young person ran for it and got it, so... I'm sure the people at Go are so proud of our thoughtful ideas in this segment. But, you know, we love Go. All kidding aside, we yeah. think it's a cool thing. You're going to have to go check it out your own website. But sign up like I did, and we'll see what uh, see what happens with it. Uh, someone else who can talk to you is Murph who can tell you how to contact us here at Future Quake. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. 
That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, we got to go. Okay, let's get out of here. we got more great information with the next segment. Uh, come back to hear the end of our talk with Steve Armbruster. Until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I'm Tom, no middle name today, Bionic. Uh, We feel cheated. Sorry. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, we've come back to broadcast our fourth segment of our discussion with Steve Armbruster, who is a representative of the group called Get Out of Our House, or GO, Mm -hmm. G-O-O-O-H, which we recommend you check out at G-O-O-O-H.com. And we're talking about a creative alternative to the power broker-based political process. We're going to wrap it up with the vision of the plans for the future, uh, what their effective strategy is, some of the challenges involved, and we think you'll enjoy it. But until then, here's Mr. Armbruster, and we'll be back to wrap it up here at Future Quake. People call us crazy, and I've I have heard. Join the club. (laughs) Yeah, I've I've heard people actually um, tell Tim that he was completely out of his mind. And he says, well, how many seats do you actually win this election cycle? And he said, 429. And if, you, if we get on the ballot in all 435 districts, we are firmly convinced that we will win better than 225 races out of the 435. Wow. Because people, people are absolutely sick and tired of what's happening in Congress and in Washington. And if you give them the opportunity, you give them the option of voting for a a Republican or a Democrat, just like they always have, or somebody that's new and fresh and documented how they're going to vote, is accountable to you, and who has said, I will serve no more than two terms, I'll go up, I'll serve, and I'll come back and live on the very same laws which we write. Unlike the Congress, who is exempt from the Americans with Disabilities Act, exempt from the National Health Care Act, exempt from all of these other rules and regulations that they put on us, that they don't have to abide by. So... Mm-hmm. When you give people that choice, we honestly believe we will win in an 80 to 85 percent landslide victory in every election across the board that we are in. Well, let me ask you on this th- on on this matter because, uh, well, for, I need to ask you a preliminary question to follow up. To date, uh, how many can can you share with us how many people have signed up to go so far, and any other goals that you've reached to date, and what is a realistic timetable to meet your your other goals? Okay, fair question. Well, we've got over 55,000 members who have actually, you know, given us their email address, and we've got about another 150, almost 200,000 people who come to our website on a regular basis but have not actually joined yet. And they're just kind of waiting and watching. And in the Internet world, an individual along those lines, they're called a watcher. And they will go to your website and they'll kind of see what's happening and see, are you really the real deal? And after having interviews like this and the ones that Tim did earlier today and the meetings that he's holding later today, those are really what begins to start converting some of those watchers. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we've got oh. over 200,000 members and watchers currently with us and on board. 
Mm-hmm. Our goal is is five hundred thousand, and you know, our our major goal is we'd love to see that happen by the end of February. But realistically, we have a couple more months after that to really pull it off and still be able to get on the ballot in the states that we need to. Now you're saying, I mean, really realistically, do you think it's possible to get that many people with your current advertising process right now to reach those goals? Um, yes and no. If we are just making, if if I'm doing a a interview on a small radio station in Tennessee or in Arkansas or in Texas, and Tim is meeting, you know, with a hundred people in Pennsylvania. And that's today's exercise, and that's what we do between now and you know our cutoff time. And no, we won't make it. Yeah. But the goal is, if, if, I don't know if you guys saw this, but uh, December twentieth, early Sunday morning on Fox and Friends, Tim was interviewed by uh, Allison Camarado, mm-hmm. and right. it was a it was a four minute interview. Within fifteen minutes, we had over three thousand hits to the website. Mm-hmm. Within 36 hours, we had 80,000 hits to the website. We had 10,000 or 11,000 new members off of that one four-minute interview at 7.40 Central Time, Sunday morning, where people are either sleeping or getting ready for for church. Mm-hmm. All it's going to take is one or two national primetime slots, mm-hmm. you know, whether it be oh, I don't know, something on a Sunday afternoon with a clock mm. ticking in the background. Well, I was expecting or, Future Quake was going to put you over the top itself. Yeah, I mean... Well, you know, I, I really I look forward to seeing, seeing the results and seeing mm-hmm. Tennessee and, and the surrounding states really explode with, uh, well, with activity. We have a large so, national and international audience in Future Quake. And we have oh, really? coast-to-coast, yeah. a very large audience, tens of thousands of faithful listeners weekly in Future Quake. And we all march in lockstep. Uh, oh, okay. We are just like a... <laughs> Army that mar- picture Nuremberg, you know yeah. how they march in. That's how we are, the Futurians on Future Quake. And I know that they're going to take Doctor Future and Tom Bionic's recommendation and go over to to go and sign up. And uh, they are going to be just like a massive movement coming in. So I think we're going to be the big push, the big heave ho for you uh, coming. Well, up I've, I've, man, I would I would love that for us to be have more members and and, and more things going on than we know what to do with. Well, that's I that's my goal in life. I warn you, though, that the Futurian listeners are sometimes too smart for their own good. And uh, they've been well-educated on principles of liberty and the Constitution and on responsibility of individuals and, and some of the uh, issues and evils of uh, uh, institutional governments and what they've done. Uh, they can be a persuasive lot. So their numbers are magnified when you actually you know, sit down to... Uh, getting in the closed-door rooms and things like that. And this is an opportunity for like-minded people like this to have a forum to actually have a say and influence. And it really is up to us whether we're going to you know, get up off our seat and get involved and get engaged. And I would certainly recommend even forums like uh, Coast to Coast with George Norrie. Uh, you know, they've got 10 million listeners every night and looking for honest, fresh ideas. I don't know if you've contacted them or not. Uh, but they will send another enormous clot that will at least rival uh, Fox and Friends in terms of the number of people you'll get signed on. Well, I will. Uh, I will certainly talk to my, uh, my media coordinator and say, "Hey, go chase this rabbit trail. Let's see how far this rabbit hole goes." Yeah, you'll need a lot of extra servers if you uh, get on get on a show like that. And of course, there's many others in our uh, in our system. Uh, one of our uh, 
regular uh, friends that comes on here. Uh, he goes by the name of Mish from the Global Economic Analysis blog. Yeah, he would just eat you, eat yeah. your, eat you guys up. One of the largest followings in the world, I guess. The top yeah, economic he gets like blog. four or five million hits a week or something ridiculous. And basically flooded all of the uh, servers in Congress just with his call to send uh, yeah. letters out to Congress. And uh, you know, there's a lot of these people are force multipliers once they know that you're out there. And it's going to be exciting to see how this experiment works. Well, I, I am convinced the only reason that we have 200,000 members and watchers right now is because we are virtually unknown. Now, there, there are many national organizations or national media figures who know who we are. They've been in contact with us, and they're just kind of sitting back and watching. They want to see us take off off the cliff and fly on our own before they take and throw us off the cliff. But I think that we've actually proved that point that we are we are a real deal. We're not some uh, get rich quick scheme. This is not some you know fluke or flash in the pan. But well, this is a real deal. This all really started for the 2008 election, but mm-hmm. there just wasn't enough traction to get right. there. And the the national primaries um, on both the Republican and the Democrat parties really sucked all the oxygen out of the room. There's really no no room left to discuss something different. Well, so we okay. are convinced we will make the 2010 election, but yeah, we're going to need national media support, and whether that be coast to coast AM or that be 60 Minutes or you know, you know, time on CNN or Fox or whatever, it's going to take some sort of national exposure. And mm-hmm. once we get that national breakthrough, we can't be stopped. Once we get 500,000 members, there's nothing that can stop us at that point. Mm-hmm. Well, this leads to the next question that I was intending to ask. If heaven forbid, for whatever reason, including the the dirty tricks brigade out there or whatever that um, may may get uncomfortable as you start gaining steam, if for some reason you fall short of that goal, not to be negative, but would you ever consider running a partial slate of candidates in those parts of the country where you had really high response in those districts? Would that be a, a, a potential fallback position? I have heard Tim use the sentence, we will have somebody on the ballot in 2010. Okay. You know, okay. if, if we get into a situation to where we can't, we can't get it in, in every state, we will most likely pick a few races that will be conducive to actually us being on the ballot. The laws in that state are actually good for us to do that, and we'll run that way. So if we um, had ten or 20,000 uh, Tennesseans here locally... Uh, come in, you might have a second look at saying, hey, at least we could make this a, a, a little a bulwark that we could start and establish a foothold in some of these places like this. Yeah, if we, if we, if we had critical mass in a district, I can see that, uh, that we would be interested in, in doing that. But um, I'm, I'll be honest with you, I am so convinced and so sold out to the system, I am convinced we're going to make it, mm-hmm. and we're going to make it this year. Okay. And awesome. I'm going to be I'm going to be running ragged between now and then, but we're going to we're going to make this thing happen. You know, a hundred years from now, the history books are going to be writing the the story of the Go Revolution, and I want to have I want to have a say in what that history book is going to say. Mm-hmm. And and when I sit down with my kids, twenty and thirty years from now, I want to be able to look them in the eye when they say, "Well, gee, Dad." Um, do you remember what happened in 2010? It's like, yeah, well, it was it was real tough and it was real work and you know there was a lot expected of us. But I'm going to have to finish that sentence one of two ways. Either one, oh, it was just too hard, it was too much. American Idol was on TV. 
and I just, I just mm-hmm. couldn't do it. Right. Or I did what was necessary, and you now have more freedoms than I've got. So, you know, it's, it's quite possible that that's going to be the conversation that I have in 20 years, 30 years with my grandkids, as they enjoy the freedoms that our great-grandfathers had, rather than the freedoms that we currently are losing right now. Well, and I'm, I'm absolutely convinced that we are on that, that edge right now. Plus, you'll be able to tell them about the future quake turning point that happened. Yeah. When the tipping, when the tipping point happened. <laughs> they sort of like remember the Alamo when the people go yes. to the polls. They'll say, remember future quake when they go in and pull the, pull the lever for the go candidate uh, in there. Hey, I got a question about the candidate questionnaires because a lot of it swings on that. And, and, and frankly, I thought of enough topics. I, I filled out all 100-plus questions today. So I'm up through those first four stages. Uh, And uh, when I went through that, I thought, you know, for all these questions, there could have been a whole lot more you could have asked about. Uh, Things things like the war, uh, very little asked about the war, about um, um, Guantanamo Bay. How do we treat people from other places? You know, how do we handle the war on terror, these kind of things. So there was so much there. I was just wondering, can you explain who picks the questions used for the candidate questionnaires, uh, how do you keep them ideologically balanced and, and, and not dominated by a small number of insiders? Well, the questions were originally um, in Tim's book, um, Revolution, A New Plan for Selecting Our Representatives. There was 175 questions that got that started this whole ball of wax. Um, since that time, we have appointed a group of people that's on the questions committee, which review the questions on kind of a regular basis and make sure that there's um, – if there's a question that needs to be reworded or edited or deleted or added, and that, that committee is the one that actually brings that to the floor. Mm-hmm. If on our website there's actually a, a, a very robust forums section, and on there there's, there's a spot where you can actually input possible questions that you'd like to see added, um, subtracted, or changed to the, uh, to the questionnaire. Mm-hmm. And that way we do have the input of the, the people that are actually listening to the, that, that are members of Go. Mm-hmm. And, Two, two major changes that we have we have undergone. If you read the book, you will see that Tim really has a uh, a little opinion of wealthy individuals and lawyers being our representatives. Not that he has a little opinion of wealthy people and lawyers. He just doesn't. He thinks that they're overrepresented in our in our Congress right now. Mm-hmm. Eighty ninety percent of everybody that's in Congress is a is a lawyer, and better than two thirds of them are uh, multimillionaires. And he says, you know, they have been overrepresented in our government for too long. Let's limit them from participating. And so a year ago, when I first got started with Go, they, if you were a lawyer, you could not participate. If you had over, if you ever did, or if you currently had more than $11.5 million in assets, you couldn't participate. But we've changed both of those regulations. And we said, you know, you have to say that you're a lawyer. And you have to say that you've had that kind of success and you have that kind of wealth, but you still get to participate. Well, that's and more the libertarian that, view of things. That says that you have to be transparent and honest, but an informed citizenry can make the uh, hard decisions on whether they want another lawyer or not in there. Transparency and, uh, and honesty in, a, in an election? What? This is this truly is revolutionary. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's exactly. Well, I mean, that, that alone yeah. will be a major contribution. Yeah. Now, we actually mean transparency by the first definition, you know, the one that we actually learned when we were in school, 
rather than the transparency that we're seeing in our government right now with the most open and transparent um, Congress and White House that we were supposed to have ever had. Oh, yeah, that's so, right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's right. I forgot about that. Um, what do you uh, what do you think will be the biggest challenge in making this approach work in the long term? Five hundred thousand people. That's it. The, the biggest the biggest challenge that we have is getting known by enough people that will actually go to our website and click on the button that says join now. That's the hardest thing we do. Once once we've accomplished that, we're in we're in great shape. Okay. Oh. How do you think the establishment, political forces, and even media will try to respond, try to neutralize efforts like Go, if this really takes off? They won't take this setting down uh, as it continues to take traction. They'll pull out the uh, box of dirty tricks. Are you prepared for that, and how do you think they're going to try to respond to derail it? Well, they've already taken the first steps, and the first step was ignoring us. I mean, we are... We are convinced that we are well-known among the power brokers. They know exactly who we are. They know what we're trying to do, and they're afraid of us. And if you don't believe me, listen to, oh, I don't know, some radio talk show host and hear how they berate against the third-party movement and how bad a third-party movement would be. There's only one reason an individual would do that. There's a really strong possibility that there could be a, a, a good, solid, other option on the ballot other than the Republicans and Democrats. Yeah, could that rhyme with like a lush rim ball? It could, it could rhyme with that, yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, sort of so a Freudian the first, the first step is, Yeah, so the first, the first step is going to be to ignore us. Um, the second step is the different legi- texters and state legislatures are actually going to try to change the laws and make it more difficult than they already have to get mm-hmm. us on the ballot. So, you know, and it's, and it's a matter of a will of numbers. You know, uh, what three, four months ago, we had a million to two million people show up in Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. You start, you start seeing rallies like that at all fifty state capitals. You're, you're going to be. It's going to be very difficult for these individuals who actually live in these districts. I mean, they're going to have to see these people that show up on the on the, the capital steps in Arizona and California and in Texas on a fairly regular basis. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sorry, you can't hide that well. I mean, the folks in Washington, D.C., they didn't have to worry so much because the two million people that were there were spread out over the whole nation. I mean, if you've got two million people from Vermont that shows up at the camp, at the Capitol, sorry, man, you're not going to be able to hide from them. Mm-hmm. And that's really going to be our strength. Our our strength is in our people and in the system that's been built. Mm-hmm. Well, um, what about infiltration? You know, I... I have suspected that even things with this Tea Party movement, I, I've seen a lot of people that are old guard people that were really part of the problem try to latch on board that. And some strange things going on with that versus other movements like Campaign for Liberty and others. And and, and I and I know they can smell if there's if there's something popular going on, their ability to morph and try to get in on the inside. You know, try to you know p- pack the boxes there with members and go and things. Do you have safeguards in place to smell out when somebody's trying to game the system? Right now, we're really relying on the people. The people are the are going to be our strength in in this deal. Where mm-hmm. you've got an individual that's going to come on board and say, "Oh, well, you know, I really think we need to do such and so or do this." If 
the people have asked me, says, well, what about Acorn? Can Acorn get in and, 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 and take over the system? Well, you know, if Acorn puts 3,000 people in a district all on the, mm-hmm. you know, if they all join, then, yeah, they could. But mm-hmm. it's really going to be um, incumbent upon the people who mm-hmm. are actually, and we started this conversation off. Right. If the people themselves don't get involved, then right. it doesn't matter what you do. That's and right. so this, it comes right back to the responsibility of the voters, of the participants of Go, to actually be able to smell a rat. Right. And the reason we have the, the, the selection session is set up to where before you ever sit down and talk one-on-one with any of these individuals, you vote one of those people off the island. Mm-hmm. And once you vote against somebody in that first round, you can never vote for them. And so you're, and the reason we did that is your first impressions, positively and negatively, are right about 80% of the time. Mm-hmm. And so if you, if you look at somebody and says, you know, I, I can't, just can't quite put my finger on it, but something here doesn't smell right, mm-hmm. you can actually s- s- put forth a firewall and prevent there from being a problem later on. He says, I'm going to vote against him. And then you have your one-on-one with them, and it doesn't matter what they say, they can be as eloquent and as, as, as beautiful as they, as they can be, you can never vote for them because you've already voted them off. Mm-hmm. And so that's really our, our protection that we've built into the system is the way the votes occur in the selection session. Mm-hmm. Well, we're getting here to the end, but in, in our audience is, is largely a national audience that we have. But I want to ask okay. something on behalf of our local audience here listening over the airwaves. Uh, in Tennessee, you may not remember this off the top of your head, but is there a thriving go movement in Tennessee of any appreciable size? particularly in Middle Tennessee? Well, I, I can't tell you by, by district, but I can tell you that there's over 1,600 members in the state of Tennessee right now. I mean, we've got a, we have a coordinator for every state, and if you were to go to our website, and in the bottom right-hand corner of our website, you'll see a, a, a map of the United States. You click on that map, and it'll take you to a state-by-state map, and you can, you can click on it, and you can find links to our state Facebook page, meetup sites, um, the Google Calendar for for that state, and the contact information for that the, that state's coordinator. So there's already so sixteen hundred in Tennessee already. Wow. Yes, sir. Okay. Well, uh, we will be emailing you when this airs uh, locally and over the web, and I sure hope you're able to notify the local uh, Go people around the country and let them know and to use us as maybe a little pass-through here in this area mm-hmm. uh, to get information to other people here in Tennessee. Uh, well, we as, would love as someone on the media side of the equation that could help be a conduit for information in this part of the country. Well, man, I, I really appreciate it, and I will certainly notify the my, my Tennessee group as soon as we've got some information as to when this would be, be aired, and love to have a, uh, a session up there where we can, you know, get some folks together and run one of these mock selection sessions mm-hmm. and really get you a feel. Because someone described it very well to me once. And I was trying to give a 10-minute um, introduction to go and just using words. And they said, what you're trying to do is you're trying to describe the fall color change in New England using only words. <laughs> it's very difficult mm. to do. Yeah. Yeah. The, the way you get people hooked on go is you get them to sit down for about an hour and a half to two hours and go through one of these mock selection sessions. Yeah. All the information is on our website. You can actually yeah. click on the, the ACT tab on our website. You can download mm-hmm. the instructions, the score sheet, the questionnaire, and you can actually sit there and get five of your friends together in your living room, and you can run a mock selection session tonight mm-hmm. if you wanted to. 
Right. And you can really get a feel for how the system works. And we've literally run over 3,000 of these sessions all wow. over the United States. And we have found we've done them in the heart of San Francisco. We've done them in the heart of Austin, in Central Texas, in Colorado, in New York. We've been everywhere. And with the exception of just a couple of issues, you could take somebody out of, South, out of uh, San Francisco and put them in the heart of a conservative district, and you just remove two questions off of that mock selection session questionnaire, mm -hmm. and you would not be able to pick out the individual that came from San Francisco. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm not surprised. That's how, yeah. that's how varied and how variety, the big variety of questions that we have and the, those answers that are coming in. Mm -hmm. the, people, the people are our strength. And that's going to be where that's that's going to be how we pull this thing off. And it's going to be individuals like you, like you guys that are you know giving us a little bit of time so we can explain this and introduce it to your listeners and really getting behind us and and, and talking us up. Mm -hmm. Well, you know that one of those mock exercises would be a great thing for you to put up on YouTube and maybe on your website too to televise one and let somebody eavesdrop in and watch one so they could see it as well. And it might be an interesting thing for us to broadcast where we actually record yeah. it for the radio at least be uh, cool. uh, audibly and maybe interview some people that went through it and see maybe what their could, experience. I think that's a really good idea. Would, maybe we would, should do that. Would be sort of, plus, we're good at mocking, so you yeah, know, that would be good for the hookup. <laughs> hey, I know we're out of time here, and you've been very gracious with your time, but I, I need for you to reiterate for our listeners how they can get involved with your organization and uh, – Maybe they can join it like uh, Dr. Future did today, and they, the other Futurians could get right behind me and do the same. How can they get involved with the organization and find out more about it? Well, right now what we ask of everybody is to go to go.com, G-triple-O-H.com. Click on the button that says Join Now. Give us your name and your email address. It's all we ask at this point. We don't want any money. Please keep it in your pocket. And, you know, then tell your friends, neighbors, family, coworkers. We've got Facebook. We've got MySpace. We've got you know, all the social networking, Twitter, you know, hook up with us there, whatever it is that's your flavor of the day that's really your thing that you like doing, and then promote us on your via your email list, your Facebook group, your Twitter um, followers, however it is that you get the word out amongst your friends, pass the word. You know, I, I carry around with me a stack of business cards everywhere I go, you know, leave them with the tip at the restaurants, leave them stuck in the, in, you know, at the gas pump, Everywhere I go, I try to leave a little bit of literature behind so people can actually start looking and seeing what's going on. So mm -hmm. we just ask people to go to go.com, G-triple-O-H.com, and uh, become a member. That's the number one thing that we need at this point. We'll have your link at our website. And as we often tell people, getting involved with your neighbors, going in and going through these exercises, doing this process is going to be a lot more interesting than sitting on the couch and watching another American Idol or another DVD no, no more dancing with the stars for you. That's right. How about taking a few minutes and, and spend time with your fellow citizens and do something where you can learn to respect each other as you try to make it a better place? Uh, Steve, I want to thank you so much for joining us. And please give Tim uh, our best and uh, let him know we'd love to see him too sometime if he uh, happens to be available in the neck of the woods. All right. Well, we thank you so much for the opportunity to, to speak to you and to your listeners. And uh, I look forward to a trip to Tennessee in my near future. Well, you've got awesome. a you got a spot here. We'd like to see and like to meet you and sit down with you, and uh, talk with you further about this. And we may see you in one of these rooms too, and uh, Very well. one of these exercises as we just distill some things out. Thank you again so much for joining us, and we'll be talking to you soon. We're back at Future Quake with Doctor Future Tom Bionic. 
Well, that's quick. Uh, that's the end of our discussion with Mr. Armbruster. We recommend everybody sign up for Go if you get a chance. Uh, someone else you can contact is Merv who can tell you how to contact us at Future Quake. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D-R-F-U-T-U-R-E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests or suggestions for future show topics or guests are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. we got to go. Quick. Come back for the news tomorrow. Until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Bye. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. quake, quake, quake. Welcome to the Future Quake Show. I am Dr. Future. And I am Tom, the walking enigma, Bionic. Boy, that you are. One of the truest middle names you've ever had. I know. That's not foreshadowing. That's just truth. Right just there. is-ism. That which coheres. Ladies and gentlemen, it's great to be back with you for another Friday on the Future Quake Show. And as you know, since it is Friday, that means it is what, Tom Bionic? It's today's review of tomorrow's news. B+. plus. Today's review of the Futures News, every Friday, for the last five years on Future Quake. That's what I said. And today is no exception. you have anything else you want to announce to the people? I do want to announce one very important thing. Of humanity? Okay. Yes, that is the uh, Last Days Conference that coming up that both of you and I are speaking at. Is that the at. official name of it, the Last Days Conference? I think it's Last Days 2010. And okay. you can find that at last-days.net. Mm-hmm. I was there today. And there's we're like, at the conference, like time travel. We got to do a show thing, on Stargate. The thing you just read, the website. Oh, <laughs> and they've got like some kind of strange one-page. It's a very mysterious-looking one-page like handout. I saw it on a PDF. It's also on the Shatter the Darkness website. Yeah, it's heavy, isn't it? It's it like, looks huh? like there's somebody laying down in a gutter or something. Yep. What is it? It's somebody laying down in a gutter. Okay, well, that that explains everything. Yeah, well, no, I, I didn't, I'm not in charge of the marketing. It's very intriguing looking. It looks mysterious, and I recommend everybody come just on that recommendation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but who are some of the speakers that are going to be there? Uh, Tom Bionic, Doctor Future. Oh, that's good enough right there. Yeah. You don't need to go further. Chris White. Chris White. Russ of, Dizdar of Nowhere to Run Radio. Mm-hmm. Chris White. And uh, Russ Dizdar of Shadow of the Darkness. Yep, right here. And uh, I believe the Lynn Marzulli is now, now Lynn on Marzulli board, on board, and Guy Malone uh, uh, of Alien Resistance there. And I believe they might even be talking. I don't know if it's uh, I don't know if it's official yet, so I'll just I'll just leave it off. Mm-hmm. But there might be one more guest there in final negotiations with. Okay, another mystery guest, but a big name headliner. Yeah, well, somebody. I'll, I'll give you a hint. It's somebody we've had on our show. Many a times. Uh, that could be one of millions of people. It could be one of about four. <laughs> but uh, uh, So that means for all our listeners, the people here in Middle Tennessee, Kentucky, surrounding areas, are with any kind of reasonable drive, this is their opportunity to meet some very influential people, mm-hmm. excluding us, obviously, yep. uh, and to actually meet them face-to-face and hear them talk in a sort of a private meeting about the cutting edge mm-hmm. of what's going on. They'll, I'm assuming they're going to get the latest up-to-date information. 
of what's going on in these ministries. Yeah, at that yeah, time. yeah. They're going to do that. I think we're going to have some praise and worship music each morning. Really? And um, there's even going to be a little snack bar. Okay. And uh, what about flames of fire coming from the ceiling? Well, I was I am working on the last day's flamethrower. Okay. But uh, that's that's sort of an artificial one. That's not yeah. What that's I was kind of a, the insurance premium on selling something like that's very high. Okay. So okay. we may that may not be happening in time for the conference. Okay. Um, okay. Let's see what else. Um, that's going to be a big deal when that comes. I think that's Put good. that in concrete. Uh, move your wedding plans if you have to. Mm-hmm. Or, or have your else. wedding plans there. It's, it's having a place that will do weddings. Wouldn't that cool to have like uh, the alien stranger guy Malone and Russ Dizdar of Black Awakening do your wedding? Yeah, there you go. That would be awesome. I wonder yeah. if a guy would wear that silver face paint and those glasses yeah, upside down. Hold the chainsaw, yeah. Yeah, that would be really cool. And yeah. uh, Dr. Marzuli, he could yeah. he could be part of that too. So Indeed. That would be awesome. Mm-hmm. And uh, seriously, though, all kidding aside, uh, this is one of those kind of things that if you can make it any kind of reasonable distance, these things don't happen in our part of the country very often. No, and and I think Nashville's really a great central location for it, too. They they have a lot of godless paranormal meetings, New Age meetings, including the high strangeness thing here. But this is one for Christian people out on the front cutting edge mm-hmm. of fighting the works of darkness. And it's I think it's very reasonable. I want to say it's if you go now, act now, it's fifty dollars or sixty dollars for, for tickets. For two days? For two days. For two days. Uh-huh. Plus all of the uh fun joys of, of Nashville. Yeah. And uh meeting us. And meeting us. That's really the yeah. big if you've always wanted to take a swing at us, that would be your that time. That would be the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just spin us around and give us one across the jaw. Yeah. Come armed though, because... Dr. Future is pretty big, and Tom Bionic's even bigger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm How scra- big a boy are you? I'm scrappy. About six foot five. Hey, I've got a lot of news to do. We're killing a lot of time. Can we jump into that? Yeah. You don't have many stories. Can I jump in with... Go, why don't you start? i yeah. got a bunch of interesting ones. I have a bunch of boring ones. Oh, I'm sorry. I hate to have... Our listeners are so excited. <laughs> They're waiting with their like, breath for click. those. <laughs> well, this is um, from several different news sources. I think it's American Free Press and... Uh, Breitbart TV, which mm-hmm. Andrew Breitbart used to be part of Drudge. Anyway, it's Davos Police Chief Dead. Now, you know tomorrow they're starting the Davos Switzerland meeting mm-hmm. with all the wealthy, powerful. I actually have a whole lot to say about the Davos thing. Okay. Uh, first of all, the Davos Davos used to be where they, uh, a particular... Now, wait a second. Let me, let me just set the back up. Davos is, they're having a meeting. It's almost sort of like Bilderberg or something. Mm-hmm. All the powerful mm-hmm. world leaders, industrialists meet there, mm-hmm. and they have some kind of theme related to basically rechanging the world, saving the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, like I said, it's a lot like Bilderberg. Yep. Or Bohemian Grove without the owl. Well, uh, so tell us about Davos. Okay. Well, in a nutshell, it's, it's, it's always been a place where a lot of weird stuff has went on. Uh, there is some very weird stuff going on there. Uh, occultic-wise that I haven't been able to track down reliably. But the other interesting thing is, uh, and far easier to prove, is that that was the big hub of all the German uh, uh, all the German spies. That was basically their base outside of Germany was Davos, Switzerland. And uh, the German, uh, a lot of the German economic stuff uh, was routed through there, money that came from German banks to be hid offshore, to to buy to buy stuff was routed through Davos and then through the Swiss banks, uh, and then at one point there was like ten thousand Swiss people in Davos, uh, and and fifty thousand uh, fifty thousand Germans. So they wow. outnumbered the citizenry five really? to one. It was really? it was really a crazy place. Yeah, a lot of this was this Jewish money that was confiscated. Pretty much all of yeah, it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so then you know then the Third Reich went down. 
Mm-hmm. And a lot of these people, it seems, escaped through Davos with their uh. sort of sort of underground spy connections. And then all of a sudden, within five or ten years, suddenly they're all meeting at Davos again. Weird. Weird, huh? Are you suggesting there might be like a cloud over Davos, maybe? No, I'm sure there's clouds from time to time, but I'm suggesting something much more sinister. Well, I meant like a spiritual cloud is oh. what I was referring to. Well, I didn't mean precipitation, if that's what you thought I meant. Well, I, just trying to be literal. Uh-huh. Well, in light of that background information... Mm-hmm. Um, tomorrow, I believe, is when the Davos meeting starts. Mm-hmm. This just came out. Uh, police chief found dead on eve of Davos meeting. Uh, did you hear about this? No. The Swiss police commander overseeing security for the World Economic Forum in Davos was found dead Tuesday, police said, adding that it appeared to be a suicide. The announcement came as political and business leaders began arriving in the Swiss Mountain Resort for the start Wednesday of the annual Blue Chip meeting. Dr. Marcus Reinhardt, Commander of the uh, Graubinden Cantonal Police was found dead in his hotel room in the morning, Swiss police said in a statement. All indications point to a suicide. Reinhardt, 61, has headed the Canton's police force since 1984. The force paid tribute to Reinhardt as a treasured, important personality. Local uh, authorities said another senior police officer had taken over his duties for the forum, the Swiss news agency ATS reported. The World Economic Forum organizers stressed that Reinhardt was not a member of its staff, but said the forum had long worked with him in preparing the annual Davos Mega Conference. The World Economic Forum has, with great sadness and regret, learned of the tragic death of the police chief, uh, said the WF statement. During the years during which we cooperated with him over security for annual meeting in Davos, we appreciate his professionalism and his kindness. The Swiss security forces continue to have our full confidence and trust in their work. Hmm. It's amazing how often those heads of police die. Um, I mean, do, do, would you expect someone that was a head of a security force? Are they usually the prototype that tend to be so unstable that they commit suicide? Well, it's interesting. One I'm of the, not an expert on the topic, but yeah, that just doesn't that seems seem like to be the real demographic. Unlikely, especially on the eve of uh, something you know this big. You know, right. you think you'd wait till after something went wrong to do that. You think he might have been investigating something? I could be. Well, speaking of that, uh, Dave David Kelly, I believe his name, he was the guy that was the big primary whistleblower about there not being any weapons of mass destruction in Iraq uh, for the British, the British component. He was kind of the lead scientist and all that. Uh, he wound up dead very suddenly. Oh, look at that. Why don't you go ahead and read it? Okay. Under Operation Stealing Thunder. Operation Stealing Thunder. Okay. Rolling uh, ahead. This came through Doo-doo. Google... Google News from the UK Press Association. Mm-hmm. Uh, David Kelly death data kept secret. Evidence related to the death of government weapons inspector David Kelly is to be kept secret for 70 years, it's been reported. A high, highly unusual ruling by Lord Hutton, who chaired the inquiry into Dr. Kelly's death, means medical records, including the post-mortem report, will remain classified until after all those with a direct interest in the case are dead, the mall on Sunday reported. The mail on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And a 30-year secrecy order has been placed on written records provided to Lord Hutton's inquiry, which were not produced into evidence. The Ministry of Justice said decisions on the evidence were a matter for Lord Hutton. But Liberal Democratic MP Norman Baker, uh, who has conducted his own investigations into Dr. Kelly's death, described the order as astonishing. 
Dr. Kelly's body was found in the woods close to his Oxfordshire home in 2003, shortly after it was revealed that he was the source of a BBC report casting doubt on the government's claim that Iraq had weapons of mass destruction, capable of being fired within 45 minutes. An inquest was suspended by then-Lord Chancellor Lord Falconer, who ruled that Lord Hutton's inquiry could take its place. But in the event, the inquiry focused more on the question of how the BBC report came to be broadcast than on the medical explanation for Dr. Kelly's death. Lord Hutton's report in 2004 concluded that Dr. Kelly killed himself by cutting an artery in his wrist. But the finding has been challenged by doctors who claim that the weapon inspector stated injuries were not serious enough. Or you like do it with an emery board or something? I don't know. One of the doctors, ooh, that would hurt. One of the doctors seeking a full inquest, former assistant coroner Michael Powers, told the Mail on Sunday he had seen a letter from the legal team of Oxfordshire County Council explaining the unusual restrictions placed by Lord Hutton on material relating to his inquiry. The letter states, Lord Hutton made a request for the records provided to the inquiry, not produced in evidence, to be closed for 30 years, and that medical, including post-mortem reports and photographs, be closed for 70 years. Dr. Powers asked, Supposedly all evidence relevant to the cause of death has been heard in public at the time of Lord Hutton's inquiry. If these secret reports support the suicide finding, what could they contain that could be so sensitive? There's been, speaking of clouds, there's been a cloud over his death. Yeah. And the very. suspicious conditions for a long time. This was right after he was the first one to come up with the data challenging the position of the British and American governments. Very large cloud that's mostly raining death. Yeah, it wasn't that long ago, wasn't it, that we were talking about the uh, scientists at the United Nations? Like one of them just fell from his death from the steps. Yeah, they keep they keep dying. They keep falling and away. And wanting to do suicide. Yeah, it's always suicide. Yeah. Everybody... You must get in a important position. Really successful people yeah. don't want to do it lightly. Yeah. Not financial people, just people who are right in yeah. the middle and very happy. Yeah, and it's never, it's never, never people that work for the Fed or the Treasury or something. No, it's yeah, people it's who are like really well respected in their field and yeah. things that mm-hmm. um, want to do things. So take something up. I, I was thinking that we could do a show on it, but because I was just counting in my head, I can the name off count. about twenty-five, twenty-five odd people. Mm-hmm. That have died under mysterious circumstances, mm-hmm. and I believe even we even reviewed a reviewed a uh, show or reviewed a story here, uh, or I did a couple of weeks ago, maybe probably a couple of months ago by now. Mm-hmm. That there's a huge case going on in Australia that uh, Merck uh, is being brought up because all these internal memos went around saying that we're going to put this this uh, medication out and it's not really going to work. Mm-hmm. And these are the people we think that are likely going to come against it, and we have to quote unquote eliminate them. And mm-hmm. what eliminate meant was never spelled out, but four or five of them ended up dead within a couple of weeks. Yeah, just talking about corporate pharmaceutical companies, uh-huh. the people who you find are just like dead in a stream, mm-hmm. one after the other. But yet the public yawns. Mm-hmm. I know. More entertainment, yeah, stars. Yeah. yeah, more entertainment. You got a story for us? One of yeah, your I got a, boring stories? Yeah, I got a short one for you. Here. Okay. Um, this is actually via the market ticker. And the Dow Jones and a couple other stuff uh, that I kind of all threw together here. The Special Inspector General for the government's $700 billion Wall Street Rescue Plan is opening a pair of probes into the government's rescue of a American International Group Incorporated, or AIG as we know, including efforts to slow public dis- disclosure of all the terms of the deal. 
Hmm. Now check this out. That was kind of all they said. But here's another from another news site. Additionally, uh, Borofsky said that he is reviewing the corp the cooperation of the Federal Reserve with his staff with his staff's attempt to conduct an audit of the AIG transactions. Now here's the here's the clincher. Some of the documents recently turned over to the oversight panel were quote uh, quote were not provided to the SIGTARP audit team during the course of the audit. Hmm. There you have it. I mean, it's like they're actively trying to get around the law and the auditors and all that other stuff. Uh, and and really, this is all anybody needs to uh, to call for the Fed to be fully audited. Uh, on an ongoing, a permanent, and annual basis, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, also, of course, seeing you know, there's like some sort of personal charges we can bring people up on for, you know, because this is obstruction of justice, all those sort of things, criminal conspiracy, possibly. Um, uh, uh, Daryl Issa, the report prepared by staff for Representative Daryl Issa calls the central bank a quasi-governmental agency unaccountable to the American people. The Fed's actions during the AIG rescue, including the effort to withhold the names of the insurer's counterparties, demonstrates the threat that the Federal Reserve poses to the basic principles of American democracy, the report concludes. Hmm. Pretty strong words for for a a representative, Hmm. congressman. Hmm. Well, related to that, uh, at the time... The time of this recording, we don't know whether Bernanke or Geithner, 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 excuse me, are going to be um, reelected for another term. Do you think they both will or not? Well, uh, that's a tough one because there seems to be this. The uh, uh, what was it? Scott Brown was the guy who won there in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. He's really reflected, you know, I think how the rest of America feels this incredible outrage over what's going on, and. Uh, um, it's just hard to it's hard to see it's hard to say mm-hmm. you know i mean he he was elected he was saying i will be the 41st vote that was one mm-hmm. of his campaign pledges he didn't really run as an uh, as uh, he didn't really run as a uh, as a republican or a democrat he ran as an independent until he closed mm-hmm. the uh, the percentage points and mm-hmm. he just ran on a platform of things he was going to do mm-hmm. so uh, somebody like that you know who knows what's going on mm-hmm. uh, i know that washington is kind of it seems like is it a kind of a standstill because they don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. You know, many of the people who are up for re-election in November are scared to death because they're now 30 points behind because they mm-hmm. voted for the bailout. Good. Yeah. Good. So. Yeah. Just the only thing that can hurt things is that the people wimp out. Yep. And don't do what they're supposed yep. to do. I got got one here if you don't mm-hmm. mind. Hit Potential it. false flag attack to be blamed on Muslims was foiled. Uh, this just came out today um, through several sources. Uh, it was uh, on Infowars.com. A possible false flag terror attack to be blamed on Muslims has been foiled after a Navy vet was busted with a grenade launcher, assault rifles, and hundreds of rounds of ammunition, as well as Arab headdress in I, New Jersey yesterday. I, that was actually going to be one of my stories, but in all, and we'll go ahead and then then ask me about it. Because I did some, I did some interesting analysis on it. Did you think it was a bad story and you didn't want to solve no, the reputation? No, it? it was a good one. I just, I thought, I figured, like, I didn't want to, you know, you read it so much better than I would. I figured if you picked it, I shouldn't bring it because I'm afraid you're going to say. On the other hand, this is all a fraud. No, 
No, I, I have some interesting info. Go okay, ahead. Okay, good. I'll, I'll wait for that. Initial media reports speculated that the man was planning a terrorist attack on a U.S. military base in the area. Lloyd Woodson, 43, whose last known address was Reston, Virginia, today faces multiple offenses, including second-degree unlawful weapons possession and fourth-degree possession of prohibited weapons, Somerset County Prosecutor Wayne Forrest said. Uh, in reporting in the New York, uh, New Jersey Star Ledger, excuse me. Branchburg police confronted Woodson at 3.35 a.m. at the Quick Check convenience store on Route 28 after receiving a call reporting a suspicious person. Branchburg uh, patrolman Steve Krantz noted a large bulge beneath the green military style jacket that Woodson was wearing, which was later determined to be the assault rifle with a defaced serial number, Forrest said. After searching his hotel room, police found a grenade launcher, hundreds of 50 caliber and, and 30 cal- 38 really, caliber rounds, yep. uh, a police scanner, as well as well as Middle Eastern red and white traditional headdress. The man may have had plans to attack a U.S. military base, reported Fox, New Jersey, adding that the amount of weapons he had led police to suspect he was a terrorist. The FBI were remarkably swift in distancing the man from any link with terrorists, despite the fact that his deadly arsenal was accompanied by maps of a military facility. The FBI said the man charged with multiple weapons offenses uh, after a cache of weapons and maps of a military facility were found in his New Jersey motel room has no known terrorism link, uh, reported the Associated Press. Now, here's their commentary. Imagine if a Muslim had been busted with grenade launchers, assault rifles, and maps of military facilities. Authorities in the media would instantly claim he was part of an al-Qaeda conspiracy and launch all kinds of fear-mongering about the inevitability of getting hit again by terrorists unless we give up our rights, just as they did in the aftermath of the failed underwear bombing incident. Uh, this is their, their comment mm-hmm. on that. Within days, the ghost of Osama bin Laden would once again be manufactured to claim involvement, and members of the military-industrial complex uh, would be pushing their high-tech tools of enslavement. Um, he says, however, because this was a, a false flag operation going awry, it'll be buried and you'll never hear anything of it again. Now, here's an interesting thing. It says, it's not the first time that military personnel have been apparently caught in the preparation of a terrorist attack to be blamed on Arabs as part of a false flags. Uh, as they reported in September 2005, two individuals wearing Arab clothes, wigs, and headdress were shooting at police at Basra were later discovered to be British SAS soldiers. According to the Basra governor, Mohammed Al-Waili, one policeman was shot dead and another was injured during the attack that was uh, patently a setup to be blamed on insurgents. Well, if you go and you, you can actually go and search uh, Operation Gladio in Google and up will come a, a three-part BBC documentary on the stay-behind networks that were put together in the 60s, 70s, and 80s with the idea that the Soviets were going to come and occupy Western right. Europe. Well, what you find out is there is... Uh, there is a, an incredibly strong connection between these stay-behind networks and uh, a couple of incidents, one being the Bologna train bombing in 1976, I believe. Uh, I'll have to double-check the date on that. But that was uh, Vincenzo uh, Gulazerimi, uh, and I'm, mm-hmm. uh, I'm, I'm blanking on his name. Mm-hmm. That may not be right. But he was the guy that both the judge and the jury and even himself said, yeah, I did that. And I worked for the CIA, and here are the records. And the judge affirms that, uh, and so did the so did the jury and mm-hmm. prosecution and defense, all claim that to be the same the same mm-hmm. thing. And uh, he said he was asked to do this as a way to sort of destabilize and uh, vilify 
vilify the communists in Italy so that people would run to the government for safety and vilify the communists in the, the coming election. And it killed 80 people. Wow. So that, I mean, those are all, those are all his statements. Mm -hmm. That's not my analysis. Have you found somebody who we could have on our show as a spokesman to, uh, about Operation Claudio? I've been looking for, for somebody, but, uh, uh, I think maybe the producer of that documentary might be a good guy. Okay. Yep. We need to have a show on that. It's a, that is a pretty dirty, that's pretty dirty business mm -hmm. right there. Uh, unlike all the clean stuff we've had on our show to now. Sure. I, oh, yeah. it's, it's so bad. It is, yeah. I mean, it's really bad. And, the thing that people forget with that is in many cases there were people died. In one case mm -hmm. in Belgium, a bunch of guys shot up, uh, shot up a supermarket who later claimed to be, uh, had been trained by uh, American Secret Service people. And, uh, there was this crazy, they were part of a, a, another group that claimed to be communists and then after the elections disappeared and then all the weapons and all the cash from all of these bank robberies and stuff showed up mm -hmm. in a bag. By the river, hmm. you know, wow. very, very strange. Um, well, yeah. let me add a little addendum here to this story. Mm -hmm. uh, these these two British men they were talking about that had done this. Mm -hmm. They also were carrying explosives, but uh, it, that story vanished in subsequent coverage. They were taken to a nearby jail where they were mm -hmm. confronted and interrogated by a rocky judge. Um, that uh, and after that, the British government sent tanks sent in to rescue these men, and amidst the chaos, it resulted in 150 prisoners escaping from the jail. Great. And the only outlet to ask any serious questions was Australian TV News, which, according to one viewer, gave credibility to the conspiracy theorists who have long claimed many terrorist acts in Iraq are, in fact, being initiated and carried out by U.S., British, and Israeli forces. Wow, that's very bold. That's from the Australian, uh, Australian News. Now, back to your comment where they, the CIA was involved in helping this. Have you heard what Ron Paul has been saying lately? I've no. not watched it entirely, but mm -hmm. I think he is in mortal danger because he actually came out and said that the CIA is running our military and running most of the key operations in our government and that they must be stopped. Well, that, well, that, uh, seems to, seems to jive with a lot of what, uh, Colonel Wilkerson affirmed, some of what Colonel Wilkerson mm -hmm. affirmed. Uh, especially with, you know, like the mm -hmm. vice president running a secret assassination team. When Dr. Colin Ross, you know, he yep. said, look, this, they, they run their own thing unbeknownst mm -hmm. to anybody in the government. They run their own, they run their own gig. Mm -hmm. Untouchable. Yeah. I, I did have a final comment on that story. Make a final comment. We've got about a minute and a half. Okay. Well, I saw that story right when it broke. And so I went and, uh, I, 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 I realized two strange contradictory statements as I read it. One was that, the guy was caught with the the red and white Islamic headdress, and mm -hmm. uh, uh, then the other thing, two two a couple paragraphs later, was that there was no he didn't appear to have any link whatsoever to terrorism. And I thought, well, this is odd. What's going on here? And so I waited an hour. Uh, my I, my thinking was that well, you might be able to more strongly imply that this gentleman this something was really going mm -hmm. on, and this might be a false flag thing gone awry or something. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, and you would know that by waiting for an hour, you would know that by waiting for an hour and seeing if, in fact, those two sentences disappeared. Yeah. And so I did, and lo and behold, an hour later, the same news story, those were edited out. They were edited out? Mm-hmm. From the same source? Same source. Oh, my goodness. Things are a lot bad, but worse than what, even what we estimate. I know. I'm going to have to start taking screenshots of this stuff. Uh-huh. 
you know, yeah. hitting, hitting the hitting the click clicking the fire shot. I know the guys at Infowars have had to do that in the past because yeah. stuff gets yanked down. Mm-hmm. Just like when they talked about Building Seven getting knocked down when you you see it standing behind them. Yeah. Well, I mean that that whole well we could I don't want to. Open that can of worms in like 10 seconds. Well, you know, another can of worms is our friend uh, Merv, Merv, who can yeah. come and tell you how to contact us. <laughs> contact us at Future Quake. Future Quake radio broadcasts are archived at www.futurequake.com, suitable for downloading or streaming, as well as other show information. Email Dr. Future and Tom Bionic at drfuture at futurequake.com. That's D R F U T U R E at futurequake.com. Tell us your name, city, and radio station or internet, and if we can use your name on air. Comments on the show's topics or guests, or suggestions for future show topics or guests, are most welcome. Dr. Future and Tom will discuss selected emails each week during the radio broadcast. Okay, we got to go. Let's get out of here. Okay. We have some good bit of information. Yeah. Come back for a great guest next week. But until then, we hope your future is always bright. Have a good day. Ciao. Join us next time as we dare to experience another aftershock of a future quake. Quake, quake, quake.